We have several options today. All right. For beginning the program, we have a... Aren't you uh, supposed to figure those out before the show starts? I'm presenting... Why do you have to be so negative right off the bat? <laughs> Trying to offer you alternatives and choices. Trying to keep your options open. Um, so we have a movie speech that I have prepared, which is amusing, but not necessarily exceptional in any way. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, let's see. I have an embarrassing clip, although not embarrassing for anybody here, from Who is Smarter Than a Fifth Grader or whatever the hell that show is. Have you seen that? I saw it once when I was in New York. It was, it was the really Kelly funny. Pickler thing. I've oh, heard about it. Oh, I it's the seen best it. thing ever. There's that. Uh, I have some Craig Gasliners, or I have something that really is pretty genius uh, that uh, was sent to me by uh, I. I won't say who. It was sent to me by another program director here at CBS Radio Portland. That I I really am pulling for this. It's not a movie clip. Uh, but I, it is something that will make all of us smile, uh, perhaps for very different reasons. So it's amusing on its face. It'll it'll make everybody in this room happy. Well, Rick, can we not do both? Well, let's just do. And then I and then I also have. Let's see here as we get ready to uh, as we get ready to begin the. I also have. Uh, let's see. Did I did I slice it? AM nine seventy solid state radio. You understand that you. F- oh! Maybe that's not. Maybe that's not in keeping <laughs> with the that? holiday spirit. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I now give you Christmas at Clear Channel. Revised Scholastic Films presents The Truth Behind Christmas at Clear Channel. Yes, it's Christmas time at Clear Channel Broadcasting Incorporated, and it's the happiest time of year, where employees celebrate giving and the spirit of Christmas, while Clear Channel celebrates wonderful year-end returns. And fat executive bonuses. However, some people crazily believe that large corporations don't care about their employees. With Clear Channel, this couldn't be more untrue. Look here, it seems that Clear Channel has organized a corporate secret Santa program, where each employee gets a gift from a secret corporate philanthropic specialist. Jimmy received a pink slip of paper, no doubt containing an uplifting holiday message from the company. Look at Jimmy jump up and down, screaming at the top of his lungs, probably trying to thank Clear Channel for their holiday generosity. There are always holiday festivities going on at any of the 1.75 billion Clear Channel radio stations at Christmas time. Wow, look at the happy employees cleaning out their offices, probably to make room for the tree. And the upcoming Christmas feast that Clear Channel has undoubtedly organized. Does Clear Channel Broadcasting care about the Christmas spirit? You're right, they do. Look at this formerly high-paid executive. He used to be cooped up in a dingy office every day. But now, thanks to Clear Channel, he's working as a corner Santa Claus. Wait a minute, you're supposed to wave with all of your fingers extended, Santa. And here you see another employee being escorted out of the building by security. Probably so he can experience the crisp, cool weather, which will make him even more into the Christmas spirit. Apparently, this employee had asked to have Christmas Day off. So Claire Channel responded by giving him several years of vacation time. What a generous company of friends. And of course, since Clear Channel is a large corporation that makes hundreds of millions of dollars per year, they are incredibly charitable. Here they are hiring a homeless person with no broadcasting experience whatsoever to be one of their highest profile hosts. Some would say they would hire anyone or do anything just to save a buck. 
But this homeless junkie, soon to be talk show host, doesn't think so. Say hello to the camera, Glenn. And that's the generous truth behind a clear channel Christmas. Five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of December in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, uh, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, now I want to say everything out of voice. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, hello, it is Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. If 503, by, I'm telling you this, by noon, about 80% of the people who work for CBS will have received that attachment in their email. Because I got it sent to me this morning, and, and, and by the time I called the person who had sent it to me to say, A, this is the most genius thing I've ever heard, and B, be listening at 11 because I'm going to be playing that, I, it, it, it had already started. And you can see this on emails sometimes, like if you look at the address bar or the CC bar or whatever. How it immediately just just starts crisscrossing. Everybody on the mailing list in the company has gotten it by now. So there you go. Genius. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your uh, observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the what have you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Seven three three two nine seventy, and this concludes the march of war. Coming up today, uh, Bob Costantini uh, will be joining us today. Um, you know, I'm so unclear about how do they how they do this with Bob. Why sometimes it's Bob and why sometimes it's Lisa? I just I don't understand. Doesn't really matter. Uh, so uh, Bob Noodles Costantini joining us today to talk about Mitt Romney, uh, Mike Huckabee, and so forth. Because uh, I think today when Romney's doing the whole vote for me even though I'm a big scary Mormon uh, thing. I think that's today. Some sort of, uh, he's giving the, the Mormon version of the JFK speech. One of Mike Huckabee's first jobs at the age of 14 was working at the radio station in Hope, Arkansas. Really? On the air. He is a man called Hope. Fantastic. Uh, let's see here, what else? Uh, Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us today from Omaha, Nebraska. Home of things and stuff, Wild and Kingdom. also guys who go crazy in malls. So we've got, boy, and how creepy does that mall shooter look? Just all greasy and pockmarked. I mean, oh, I haven't seen his face. Oh no, he's. I mean, there's nothing particularly evil about him. He just sort of looks. He just looks like one of those guys that sort of, you know, is it, is it, you know, that is like an unhappy bag boy next to you with a foodway that you kind of whisper about it in the back of your head. You always just assume he's going to go nuts and kill a bunch of people someday. Wouldn't you be unhappy if you had to live in Omaha? <laughs> yes, I would, Tim. Yes, I would. I almost took a job in Omaha. The uh, when I got, uh, I won't dwell on the uh, the Omaha gig. We got something to get you, but when I when I. Moved to Salt Lake. I got that job in Salt Lake in late 94. 
And this is true. The day that they offered me a job in Salt Lake City, I was I was so unhappy at my at my job. I was in Washington State. I was so unbelievably miserable at this stupid job in Spokane that I was just, and I might and this is the job I've talked about this with my my uh, the, the, the guy who was the, the program director who was sort of nominally in charge of me. He was sort of the operations manager for the for the talk station. And this is in Spokane. Was just like an unbelievable, uh, just an unbelievable dick, just a bastard. And I mean, it was just one in the, one in a long string of program directors I've had. You know, I've worked for cokeheads, I've worked for freaks, I've worked for maniacs and nitwits of all varieties. And I mean, it was just another guy who was just so unbelievably unhappy working there. And I was how ha- unhappy was I? I was so unhappy that I nearly took a job working at an AOR station, which is a rock station, broadcasting out of. I swear to you, this is true. An Omaha strip mall. In this mall, for all I know. I mean, really, we ought to find out if this mall has a radio station in it. Because if so, that's where I nearly took a job. I was so miserable. I would wake up every day, and it was like you would just, you know, well, should I just turn off the alarm and go to work, or should I toss myself off the balcony of my apartment and hope that you know the fall down the hill kills me? Um, and, and so I was just doing that thing of applying for, like, blind box ads or, you know, anonymous ads in the back of R&R magazine. They don't even have those anymore. Do they really? Are they gone? Probably. You might see one every so often, but there used to be tons of them. And so I applied, but it was like, you know, the exciting, bustling radio market seeks, you know, seeks hungry up-and-comer to work rock morning show. I'm like, oh, it sounds like the job for me. And I sent off a tape and a resume. And I was terrible, by the way. I was a terrible disc jockey. It's not like I was any great shakes as a talk show host for the longest time, but I, but I was an awful DJ um, and just didn't know what I was doing and didn't care and couldn't possibly stick to any kind of a format. Couldn't get my talking points straight, was always forgetting to play the right music and whatever. And yet they were so desperate for somebody to work at this Omaha radio station that he called me back like a day later. He's like, hey, would you like to come out to Omaha? We talked back and forth. He offered me the job, sight unseen, based on a completely terrible tape and resume that I had sent him. Um, and I said, well, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about your radio station. And he's like, well, we're, we're inside the bustling Omaha strip mall, or whatever it was. And uh, I don't know the name of the mall, but it was a strip mall, and the radio station was there, and it was like between, you know, like a taco time and... Like a Sbarro or something. It's like Taco Time, Rock and Roll, Sbarro, Orange Julius. Uh, and I was, it, it's not that I really wanted to go to Omaha, not that I wanted to work in a strip mall, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do? And I was so unhappy that I was about to call him back and accept the job when uh, my then consultant, Brian Jennings, called me and offered me, how would you like, Rick, Brian Jennings, you've got all the talent in the world. How would you like to go to Salt Lake City? And uh, that, I took that, but man, I was, no lie, like about four hours away. If that call from Brian Jennings had come a day later, I would have already quit my job and started packing up my things to go to Omaha. At where I might have been shot by some disgruntled, nitwit, greasy teenager. Who knows? Like going to Salt Lake City has given you hours of conversation. It really has. It really has. Look at all the show material that I got in Salt Lake. It, it, really, honestly. Without Salt Lake, I would have nothing. Uh, all right. I would be, I'd, I'd be single and without any amusing anecdotes. All right, uh, Steve Castamon will join us today from Omaha, though. We'll uh, get to the bottom of this, uh, the whatever with the guy. Uh, James Roop will join us today. Barry Bonds, I don't even know if he's gotten an attorney at this point. Because I think he's back in... I think he's back in federal court. I think it's tomorrow or something. But as of yesterday, he hadn't even been able to find anybody who would represent him. I mean, Saddam Hussein found a lawyer. And yet, Barry Bonds... Hello, I'm Barry Bonds. Hello? Come back. And nobody will do anything with him. Uh, we will, speaking of DJs, we will do today's top five. Top five songs Tim Riley hated playing as a radio disc jockey. Um, 
Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, exciting, if somewhat unnerving, movie news. Uh, a little bit of sports news for you. Um, and uh, I'll be fighting that voice off all day. And something else. Oh, I, we really do have to do some Iron Legend tickets today because I've completely failed to, to do that the last couple of days. I uh, I've been completely uh, a complete failure on that score. Let's see what else do I have here. On this fantastic Kelly Pickler thing um, yeah, that we'll get to, which is it's that Jeff Foxworthy show. The uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And again, I should say right now that I'm no one to throw stones inside this particular glass house because I am frequently not smarter than oh, a fifth yeah, grader. Oh, yeah, those questions. I, I can't even... normal fifth graders. No. The fifth, they're kind of freaky cyborg fifth graders. No, actually, we had the same kind of questions when we were younger. We've just really? become dumber. Is, oh, that, yeah. is that the thing? I just My brain has become mush. The thing is, even when I don't know something, I like to think that I cover my ignorance a little bit better than uh, country music star uh, Kelly Pickler does. So, uh, anyway... Uh, so there you go. So there, there, that and a whole, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, oh, and a, a big pile of... Somebody sent me a big pile of old PSAs from the 80s. This, this, this sort of seemed to be PSA week. Uh, so we got a bunch of that as well. Uh, well, let's get some of these calls, then we'll look at the news and do introductions and so forth. And hey, hey, hi, you're on the... Oh, we got all... And Craig Gass cut all of these uh, liners for us yesterday. I think I already played one of them. The uh, AM 970, Solid State Radio. You understand that, you f***? No! Fantastic. Um, he, he sounds like Lycus when he does that. Well, Lycus and, and Kinnison, in a way, have, have similar inflections. I can kind of see that. They have it's and the same sort of like little rasp there and some of the little... See, I thought you were going to play like string them all together. But I do. Just... I have them all strung together. I had to go through and take out all of our banter because you and I were actually way more profane than he was. He only required moderate beeping. Uh, but you and I just kept. Uh, I don't know what it was. You and I just. Uh, I think kept, it's like make good because after we get off the air, like you have the filthiest mouth ever. It's true. I I am relentless. You everything profane. is is profane. You know who's filthier than I am though? Susan Reynolds. I'll just tell you that. Um, I want to. We won't talk much. I I can already tell that I'm going to get distracted inside my own my own like weird funhouse mirror head today. So I got to try to stay on task, as my uh, history teacher used to say. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Good morning, Matolius. How's it going, everybody? Hello. Hi, sir. Uh, I was looking at the Mercury today. There's a autographed Aussie bat. It's a, it's a t-ball bat, but it's autographed by Aussie. You know, just thinking. Oh, not about like that. a not like a rubber bat, like a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, it's a little play on words. Yeah, it's a, just a bat, like a baseball bat. Okay, that's pretty great that Aussie would autograph a bat, but like the sporting kind. Yeah, and it uh, it's a Mercury online charity auction. So, I mean, that's good since, you know, since you didn't ride the bike to help out the kids, I figured you might help out in this way. Do you work for the Mercury? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm actually at work right now hiding in my boss's office. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good place to hide. Yeah. It's good that well, you found out there working, so, I mean, this is the only quiet place I can talk. Now, is he gonna, now what are the odds he's going to walk into the office and discover you on the phone? Uh, not that good, but it's definitely a possibility. I'm sitting at his desk. So. <laughs> Be sure to put your feet up and play with the little clickety clack balls on top of the desk while you're while oh, you're doing yeah. this. I'll do that right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. The uh, by the way, this is by way of a plug. Uh, coming up, what is today? Thursday. So tomorrow, our sister station, Rock 101 KUFO, is doing their rockathon. I, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's tomorrow, uh, and they're going to be giving away uh, just a whole bunch of stuff. And I do believe they actually have a guitar autographed by Ozzy Osbourne and Zach Wilde. Um, so that's uh, so. If you're an Aussie fan, or if you just like helping children or people, uh, or you know whatever, uh, be listening to KUFO tomorrow for the rockathon. Yeah, right on. All right. I think I hear my boss. Thank you, going, man. Bye now. <laughs> All right. Don't, don't be fired. All right. Don't <laughs> don't receive Jimmy's gift of a shiny piece of pink paper. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, how are you guys doing today? What's, what's up? 
Um, I, first, I need to apologize for being a day late and a dollar short, but I was listening listen on the podcast now. It's better than being a week late, if and, you know what I mean. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you had someone call in about the PSAs and about the guy popping down the street and going through the plate glass window? Yes. That was me. Wait, I'm you were the, the guy who went through the window? Yes. You see, a guy called us up a few days and like, ah, this friend of mine, he was walking down the street and he fell into a plate glass window. And it, it, so, as I understand it, the pane of glass did not actually perforate your body, but it did sort of land sort of between your legs. It, I mean, it was literally like a six foot by 15 foot quarter inch glass storefront window. And it landed, you know, it didn't actually hit you, but it landed right there near the, near the, the business. Not a scratch on me. Jesus. Now, is that sort of a thing? Do you just wake up in a cold sweat sometimes? Or is it thinking about what could have gone well, wrong? Well, I hadn't thought about it in years until I, I'm like, God, that sounds, oh my God, that was me. Yeah. Man. And then uh, a couple other things. Yeah. Um, my baby teeth were knocked out by my brother's friend pushed me off the couch. Oh, so it wasn't like, but he didn't hold you down and do it one by one with a hammer or something. No, he just pushed me off the couch. But, now, and, but, but how many of your teeth? Because you got 20 baby teeth. We determined it was the 20 three teeth. front ones. Instead oh. of my two front, then they got they got pushed back to the roof of my mouth. Oh. They didn't actually get pulled, oh. broken out. Sort of, they so sort of went up like a garage me. door. Well, yeah, and then they had to take me to the dentist to have them ripped out. Oh, and, okay. <laughs> and then the other uh, thing you were talking yeah. about, the, uh-huh. the, uh, the pain uh, in the dentist's office. Yeah. I actually had, like, part of my toe cut off by a, a like, at a dentist office type thing by a, a foot doctor. What kind of dentist was this? Well, it, it, was, just, it was that type of office. It was a podiatrist, but I... Oh, but was it was called, it was like one of those little tiny, like a strip mall Yeah, you go, you go in through, yeah. and, and they just gave you, like, two shots of Novocaine in your toe, and I see this tank across. I'm like, oh, good, they're going to give me the gas. He goes... Oh no, that's for this, and he that's puts for something like, else. Yeah, he puts a saw on it, like, and it's like from NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut into my toe with the knife, and I'm like, oh my god, that's supposed wait, to hurt. Wait, you know? hold on, just before we end this call, please now once again it, to be replicating the sound of the saw cutting your toe off. <laughs> you know, he did that right in front of my face a couple of times, so he, I. Oh, just so you, you could know. get a good before yeah. he even touched oh, your no, toe. Just so you could get a good sense of it. That, yeah, that canister of CO2 powers this saw. That's wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and then, I, I'm sorry, I got like six, six million things. And then you were talking about. Okay, this, this has to be that we have this to move on. This has okay. got to be okay. the last one. Okay, well then, Steve Kastenbaum was yeah. on a uh, the video that rocked the world, the Britney Spears thing. So you should bring that up with him. On Fuse, it's like a MTV when they used to play music. Wait, okay, now, now, now I understand. Now you have to give us more explanation. What okay. and what? There's a, a TV channel called The Fuse. It's like MTV when they used to play music. It's uh, it's Canadian, I think. Right. Yeah. And they got they're doing a series right now, ten videos that rock the world. They had like and uh, Steve Kastenbaum is on there. Yeah, on the one for Britney Spears. I was watching the one for Britney. Which Spears. video? Uh, Baby, one more time. He's and CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Oh, yeah. You know, and he's talking about how that changed the world. And how is it so, that Steve Kastenbaum came to be on a Canadian music program about Britney Spears? Okay, we're going to ask him about that that's today. That's what then. you need to ask him. You'll need a little levity today, what with the death and all. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. There you go. Jesus. I mean, it was everything he said was good, but boy, it was just like one end. It was, that was like a Chinese finger trap of a call. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. One lane of I-5 Chehalis could be open tonight. Which way, north or south, we don't know. No promises. Highway 26 is reopened to the coast. Amtrak is running to Seattle and is running late. Horizon Air is pretty much booked up from PDX to SeaTac. 
In the middle of the flooded town of Bononia has become a dump for the townspeople to perch their damaged personal items. An armed man demands money from an Oregon city man and wishes him a Merry Christmas. Three men steal cigarettes from Doozy's Tavern. <laughs> really? Okay. Fantastic. Doozy's is no real mm in tavern. tavern. Tittlehoa. Southeast shout out there. Fantastic. Join the day as are we always with the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. All right. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if we have time to play it now because we got this whole we got Lisa or not the Lisa but the Bob Costantini uh, coming up in a while. But so we got off the air yesterday. Well, isn't coming on until forty. That's true. So just so just a couple observations. So we got up. So we had Craig Gas yesterday. It was the uh, uh, imperson, you know, his impersonations of his comedian or whatever. And we and very rarely do we have comedians on, and much less you know do we you know have, a guest who comes on. Really, there's I can think of almost no one that we've had on for that length of time. Um, I mean, unless it's somebody you know, like somebody you know, like a storm or somebody you know, who's sort of a friend of the show. Uh, but the guy was just hilarious and just was one of those, you know, it, 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 and was it's not just because he does like a wacky Al Pacino voice or whatever. I mean, he's just a really genuinely funny guy and an entertaining guy. He tells great stories. And so we did the whole whatever two hours or however long it was, <clears throat> and then we get off. We go into the studio next door because I, you know, going to say have him cut some liners for the show. And the guy just like keeps going. And I will tell you this: the first thing that it, like he could not wait to tell you the uncensored version of that Sex of the that City was story. Nasty. It was just, but but I could barely retell it to my friend. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to repeat this. But the, and he was telling the story where he and uh, uh, Cynthia Nixon were engaged in a intimate act of affection and so forth. And it, but it, it it wasn't even just that the story was sort of off-putting, which it was. It's just that like like the bursting enthusiasm he had to tell you, not me, to tell you the story, which I do believe was some sort of mass come on. Oh, uh, you'll pardon the really figure gross. of speech. The uh, it, it, I mean, we were sitting in the and we were sitting in the production room next door, and I'm kind of getting the computer set up, and I'm arranging the microphone and so forth. And that's when I realized that he's on Howard Stern because he told the story like that. I'm like, okay, totally, yeah, exactly. Makes, the, now it makes sense in my head. And that he's been on Howard Stern since Howard went to satellite, because you can tell that he has grown accustomed to telling stories filled with all kinds of explicit details uh, that are not suitable for family uh, listening or this broadcast. Um, but so he's telling you the whole story, and I really did at some point did sort of feel like, like I, I did sort of feel like, um, like the Brian Krakow to his Jordan Catalano yesterday, because the three of us, myself and Sarah and, and Craig Gass, are sitting in the studio, and he's like, so anyway, there I am on the set of uh, Sex in the City. You know, I've also been on Howard, and uh, I'm famous, by the way. And so anyway, let me just tell this amusing story, this ribald anecdote, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stand at the microphone. And you kept like like puttering away. He was telling you the Cynthia Nixon story, but then I'm the only one that stayed put. And you're like, uh, one so he ended so. up telling it to me. No, I, I don't think that. I think he was telling you the story, and I happened to be in the room. No. Call it a hunch. Well, I'll tell you what. This is my, and I will not ask you to weigh in on this because maybe this is only. I don't want to project something onto you that's maybe not necessarily there. But I was playing back. He did this whole series of liners for us, like in the guys. Like, you know, one is Christopher Walken and uh, um, <clears throat> one as, um, uh, as Sam Kinison and whatever. And then he did, like, three as Tracy Morgan. The funny thing is about this, all of the ones that he would do as Tracy Morgan, Tracy Morgan always ended up, like, hitting on you in some, like, ill-concealed fashion. So, like, not the Alec Baldwin. Like, Alec Baldwin wouldn't do that, and the Adam Sandler ones were normal. Every time he would do one as Tracy Alec Morgan. Alec Baldwin was genius. The Tracy Morgan ones, though, always ended with, like, and I want to get up in that, you know? And it was just like a whole other way. Whoa, okay. It was the character. Uh-huh. Sure. That's like, 
That's like the, it wasn't me. It was the uh, it was Charlotte Dark. Um, all right. It, it, so I don't know that we have time to 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 play those here. Much as I would like to, we have these calls to get to and the whatnot and the hey. Did, was I, did I tell you guys about my ant farm, though? I made a little note to talk about ant farm. You did. Well, just to say, because people had emailed me about this. So I got this fantastic uh, ant farm at Brookstone, and apparently they sell it at Fry's, too. Uh, where it's, it's, uh, it's not filled with sand, like the ant farm of old. Uh, it's filled with this weird, opaque, like bluish gel that I guess the ants, that they build their tunnels in it, and then it also has, it's also like infused with food, so it's what they eat as well. Oh, it's more humane. And it's lit from underneath, and so it glows blue at night, and they and the gel actually has some weird sort of day glow property to it. So it, the cool thing is, as the ants are tunneling and making their tunnels in this blue gel that is inside the ant farm, the ant will carve out a piece of the gel, and then he'll, like, take it away to some other part of the uh, the ant farm and, like, stash it, you know, as they're digging out, like, you know, it's like drilling a, you know, drilling a mine or something. But it glows, and so at night, you see these little tiny uh, particles moving back and forth in the ant farm as the ants are sort of busily scurrying about. I know this because I sat there and watched the ant farm at Brookstone for, like, 20 minutes before my wife finally just said, oh, Jesus, just buy the ant farm. Um, but what I found out is, that, of course, the ants are not included. But what I discovered is that they will not mail you the ants during winter months. They won't mail you the ants because I guess... Oh, they're concerned about the well-being of the ants. Yeah, and so I guess I can now get to wait till March to fill my ant farm. The ant farm is just going to sit there completely bereft. It's like a... Uh, it's like an empty bassinet, never used. Uh, so it's, it's, like, it's like a sad, barren couple that has the baby's room all built, but no baby to use it. So the ant farm is just sitting there waiting for ants. And it, and my wife was like, well, why don't you just go catch some ants? And A, I don't really know that you can do that in December. And B, like even if I could go find ants like on the sidewalk, I don't think that I would put them in the ant farm because I don't really know that all the ants are compatible with all the ant farms. And I would feel terrible if I just went out and rounded up a bunch of ants and put them in the ant farm and they died. Because I would feel like one of those turn-of-the-century West Virginia coal mine owners just sending men into their doom. You know, <laughs> the ants are all coming out with black lung and silicosis. So now so, you have empty anthill syndrome. I, yes, I do. Yes, I do, Tim. And here's the thing. is, Here is, here is what a nerd I am and here is how, what a dork I am about, about pets and animals. I have the ant farm at home. I have yet to even put the ants in it, and apparently the ants live for quite some time. But even now, I am already preemptively sad for the day when the ants die. Even now. What is the average lifespan of an ant? I don't know. You need things to do. <laughs> like, well, this I'm is what you do. To... You sit at home and you ponder the deaths of the future ants that you're going to own someday. I'm already pining away for the ants that I don't even have yet. I... Hey, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, I bought my daughter that exact ant farm for Christmas last year. Uh-huh. And uh, it took, they said, six to nine weeks to get your ants. Yeah, it was more like six months to get your ants. Uh-huh. And then they died after about six to nine weeks. Oh, see? now they, they, Maybe they're from China and they're full they, of lead. They, they, didn't create a, they didn't create little baby ants like they did not reproduce in any way? Uh, no, they're just workers. There's no queen, just worker ants. Oh, see now I'm see now I don't even want to buy the ants because wow, then it's just gonna break my heart when they're dead. The average but, life expectancy of an ant is forty-five to sixty days. What a useless life! Well, see, then but, they're all gonna die. <laughs> when you get them in the mail, you get another coupon to reorder them. So as soon as you get them, go ahead and reorder. Okay, them. now here's now hold now here's I have a question. I don't know if this is I think this is interesting to people. I can't quite tell. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not interesting to you, <laughs> Sarah. There's a difference. 
I almost bought a second one to have it in the studio. Because, you know, it's all sealed up and everything. But I almost bought a second ant farm, just so you know. You know, a little splash of life here in the studio. Well, you know, when you buy a second one, it comes with a plastic tube. You can plug them both together. <sighs> so we could have, like, a super habit trail ant farm. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I bet the engineers would be really stoked about that. <laughs> you know, they're nerds. <laughs> they're nerds. They would totally yeah, be into it. Yeah, but somebody, but, they're all, but people in radio are all right, so clumsy. Thanks, all right, thank you, sir. Um, people in radio are clumsy. Somebody would knock it over, and there would be ants and all of this, this equipment. You know what I was going to ask that guy is, so if I have the ant farm, I, I get it all, you know, I get it, you know, put the ants in there, and then they're scurrying about living their little ant life, and then they die at some point. And it's like George Carlin said, when you buy a dog, you are buying a future tragedy. And so someday, which he fits. He, it's and he, totally true. And he loves dogs. You know, George, he's written whole, he's done whole routines about how much he loves his dogs. But he does have the thing. He's like, when you buy a dog, you are buying a future tragedy. And it's which is totally true. It's totally true. I was, was You're counting down until the day you just weep like a child. I was cuddling with Muppet this morning, looking at how cute he was. I'm like, oh, oh I know. he's already four. Laura and I have already had that discussion about, like, you know. Someday. Because Max you know, is older, too, right? He's like 10. You know, so he's got, you know, four or five years probably before you really have to start thinking about it because small dogs live longer than big dogs or whatever. But it, my thing about the ant farm is, so if I buy the ants and then they all die and then I buy new ants, do I just put the new ants in there and the new ants will sort of clean out the old ants? Like, well, they'll take their little ant bodies and put them in an ant graveyard somewhere inside the ant farm? I guess I mean, you can watch that. I mean, and it if is, it's all clear, I mean, you're going to see the graveyard. Totally. I mean, it's kind of interesting, though, like a sort of circle of life kind of a thing where you see if the new ants come in and they sort of, uh, you know, the new ants come to go, oh, it's all, there's all of these, uh, there's our dead brethren are everywhere. Aaron Let's clean brings it up. up a good point. Hmm. See, like, it's interesting. This is fascinating. No, he to didn't people. say it was interesting. Oh. He said, do you not have a sponsor that sells ants? You know, a sponsor that's been with you through thick and thin, firing and hiring, you know, a place called Everybody's Garden. I don't Center. know if they sell ants, they sell ladybugs. I would think Aaron seems to go there quite frequently. If, if he says they sell ants, I'd believe him. Huh. All right. Well, see, now I got to... Oh, here we go. Tim has printed out interesting facts about ants. <laughs> oh, man. We need, like... We need one of those projector sounds in the background, like the Encyclopedia Portlandia. You know. Ants can lift 20 times their own body weight. With their combined weight greater than the combined weight of all humans, ants are the most numerous type of animal. <laughs> <laughs> An ant brain. Okay, so I'll read these later on. Um, should we break here if we've got Constantini at 1140? Now, I've taken up all of our value time talking about insects I don't even own yet and whose future deaths I am already mourning. Um, here's what we've got today. We've got these fantastic liners from Craig Gass. Uh, somebody already requested it. I will once again later on today. Maybe in the 2 o'clock, I'll play that Clear Channel Christmas thing again before the show's over because people are already asking to hear it again. Um, and then we have Kelly Pickler on are you smarter than a fifth grader hint she is not so but it, it, it's not that she's just not smarter than a fifth grader it is that kelly pickler who sings she was an american idol contestant i think and now she does country music because that's what it seems to be the way that that works she is what bruce williams will call just industrial strength stupid I mean, stupid, like so much that, like. Who is Kelly Pickler? Well, she was no, she was on American Idol. Oh, one of those. But she has, she. I think she's had some country hit. I think she is a country. I think she's like sort of a poor man's Carrie Underwood, you know, Carrie Underwood, who, who, you know, whatever one thinks about her, she, she certainly has been given some good material to sing, um, you know, and she's got kind of a Kate Hudson thing going on. Kelly Pickler is like, a, she's sort of a, um, Kelly Pickler, I think, is sort of the Meredith Brooks to Carrie Underwood's Alanis Morissette. I think that's okay. kind of how that works. Uh, oh, that singer in the bathroom just turned 18. Taylor Hicks? Yeah. I mean, who? Yeah. 
Let's take this final call, then we'll break. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm uh, Creepy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, Rick, it's Joe again. Uh, once your ants die and yes. you get new ants put in there, yeah. they actually take them, cut them into little pieces, and put them in one corner of the of the little gel area. Sort of an honoring their ancestors kind of a thing. And then they pray to the pile of... Uh... Well, no, actually, it's uh, more of a garbage dump. That's where all the used plus food goes well, over there on top of them and buries them in a garbage are, pile. They are a realistic uh, species. Yeah, right. so you know when your ant's about to die, yeah. he'll be working in the garbage pile, and he'll just die there. And the other ants will cut him up and put him in pieces. What an interesting piece of social commentary. That is. <laughs> all right, thank you. Final, final call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you... Uh... Is there any way for you to post the story about what happened with uh, Craig Gass and the lady from Sex and the City? You've, you've well, he's going to tell so it much. at his show. If you go to see his show, uh, you know, and I don't have any vested interest in this. It's not like I make well, any money I'm off it. Well, now I'm kind of grossed out if you think he was telling me that because why? Okay, well, it's probably not. I, I'm saying a, if you want, if, if it only has a hundred people, I mean, I know that. You if you, you, you want to hear the uncensored Sex and the City program, go to see his show, which you really ought to go to anyway. Cause he's a funny guy. Uh, Saturday and Sunday at the uh, Back Alley uh, Nightclub, I think is what it's called in Vancouver. You can just go to myspace.com/slash/craiggas to find out more. All right, thanks. Thank you. There you go. I mean, I know it was a little bit of an off-putting story, but I mean, but it was it, it was interesting, and it was you know. Well, I shouldn't say anymore. I know. All right. Uh, we'll take a break here. Be back after this. Uh, Tim Riley's new news hour coming up. Uh, we'll do the uh, Clear Channel Christmas thing again. Uh, we have Steve Kastenbaum, Bob Costantini, James Rube, Top 5, this Kelly Pickler thing, Craig Gasliners, more PSAs, I Am Legend tickets. Stay there. It's the Rick hey. 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 Uh, In just a few minutes, we'll talk to Richie Bristol. I forgot my bell again. I'm going to leave that bell down here. Hey, can you use the bell to summon Richie? Richie. <laughs> you know what's so great is that is exactly what Mr. Burns has. Mr. Burns has that little tiny bell that... Thank you. Richie Bristol joining us. That is the best shirt I have ever seen in my life. It's a black shirt and in white sort of spray paint stenciling it says Viva McRib. I totally want one of those. Where did you get that? Uh, promotions. Really? Yeah. Here or at another station? The other station. Uh, Intercom? Yep. Sounds like bitches. All right, fine. Um, it, Richie, uh, my Richie Bell is up on my desk. Can you please get that? Also, sure, and we'll talk to Bell. Bob Costantini in just one second. Bob, I apologize. We'll get to you just momentarily. Um, at, um, at, is it at 970.im or is it at MySpace? It MySpace. Is the, so the MySpace uh, page for the station, which is myspace.com slash AM970. Uh, which is, we got a bunch of, uh, uh, what, video from Craig Gass here yesterday? People are asking to see that? Yep. So what's up there now that people need to know about? Uh, I just put one, but if they click on it, it'll give them a bunch of different ones, like you guys talking in the hallway, uh, the photo shoot, uh, okay. Sarah and you guys. <laughs> oh, I just saw that look from Sarah. Yeah, that's all, that was an alarmed... We well, didn't get you said you photo. took it down, right? Well, the, the pictures you didn't come no one out. would ever see these photos. No, you no said photos. this was just for us. <laughs> Uh -huh. No photos up. I didn't put no, any No, no, it's full motion video, Sarah. Uh, so, Cute and in though. the, uh, are there any, uh, is there any video of him doing impressions? Yes. Very cool. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I tried to get those. So, myspace.com slash AM970. Yep. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. I can already see you scurrying over there to type and see what's I'm up. right here. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, hey. Hey, 
Hey there, Rick. How are you? Hi, Bob. How are you today? It's uh, it's great to be with you guys again. Yeah, well, it's always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Um, so, uh, how's life? How are things? Um, the things are fine. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm still working. I don't just. <laughs> What? How low the bar is set. Well, I'm still employed. I'm still employed. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Um. So, uh, all right. Well, b before we plunge on into anything else, let me just talk to you about this this Romney thing. Has that? It hasn't already happened today. Is it? Is it today? Tonight? When is the Romney? Well, he, he made the speech earlier today. Okay. So it already was today. And this yeah. is. I hate to drag out this because everybody's everybody's making this comparison, but it felt like the JFK thing about how he wasn't going to be taking his uh, direction from the Holy See and so forth. But this is sort of different in that it was – this wasn't Mitt Romney saying, well, I'm not going to take my orders from Salt Lake. This was just Mitt Romney sort of trying to get it off the table by saying, look, I'm a man of faith and I'm a Christian and that ought to be enough for, you know, for, for, for the base and let's move on, right? Well, yes, he certainly uh, did not you know, distance himself any great way from his faith because – he realizes that uh, much of the Republican Party base, at least, are uh, uh, Christian conservatives, or however you want to, to put it. Um, but he can't just, you know, totally cast aside the idea of uh, uh, God in government and that kind of thing. So, you know, he talked. Uh, he talked about it. He said, "Freedom requires religion, just as religion requires freedom." One of the, the uh, points he tried to make. Um, but he. You know, he basically said that, uh, uh, you know, his particular faith, and he didn't delve into it in any great way, but his particular faith would not be the, necessarily the driving force uh, of his presidency. And uh, that's, you know, clearly aimed uh, not necessarily at Democrats or atheists or anybody else. It is aimed at um, much of the Christian conservative community, uh, the family values folks who do have some problems uh, with the Mormon religion, who who, who see it uh, uh, askance uh, at this point, and, and, it, and would not be able to, would not feel comfortable voting for Mitt Romney. It is interesting right now. If nothing else, I mean, regardless of one's uh, own political leanings or partisanship or whatever, this is interesting. This 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 go around because you're. I was talking to uh, who was I talking to the other day about this? I might have been. I was just running on at the mouth of my wife about this, about how this is sort of like you will hear these things sometimes in the sporting world, uh, uh, so I'm told, uh, where they'll say things like, "Well, what if the 1925 Yankees played the 1978 Mets? Who would win?" <laughs> and it's you know this is whatever, and and this is like that in a big way where you've got just almost this just incredibly complex Hobson's choice set up for the voters where they've got Mike Huckabee who is sort of an unknown factor, but sort of seems to be appealing, but it's kind of hard to pin down on some things. You've got Mitt Romney, who sort of seems electable in the abstract, but who is a member of a faith that, uh, that I think a lot of Americans are at least confused about, or, or that maybe the faith that some Americans find uh, odd or objectionable. And then you've got Rudy Giuliani, who is amazingly strong on defense and has huge marquee value, but is really, it must be called, is a social liberal in almost every conceivable way. And so, really, none of the like, if you could merge all of these candidates into one super robo-candidate, uh, I mean, the GOP would be in like Flynn. But as it is now, they're going to have to just navigate this weird gauntlet of ideological choices to try to figure out who they're going to back. It is fascinating in a weird way. Well, Rick, I would suggest that the um, uh, 
uh, Romney speech today was aimed at Huckabee, if you will, if you want to look at it more from a political standpoint and uh, uh, where Romney is targeting his words. Huckabee has received considerable support from uh, the family values uh, side of the uh, Republican Party, uh, and that has helped, uh, you know, zoom him uh, to the top uh, or, you know, to the lead at least right now in terms of the Iowa caucuses, and if he wins in Iowa, then uh, he gets a lot of, you know, he gets a lot more money, he gets a lot more uh, prestige, he gets the coverage, those kinds of things. So Romney, I think with this speech in particular, was trying to head off, uh, you know, the Huckabee support among the Christian conservative community. It, it is worth... That's just speculation, of course, on my part, obviously. Oh, of course, but it, and it is worth noting, and this is my uh, observation, I did see this, that over the last couple of days... It's weird. I was, I was actually talking to Lisa about this, that that as uh, Huckabee is ascended, and I never, ever thought that I would see the day when a guy with the last name of Huckabee was being seriously considered as a candidate for the president. You know, it's like it's it is as Frank Sinatra once said to JFK. Frank Sinatra apparently this is rumored a thing that he said to JFK at one point when they were whatever having some male bonding moment and. And this is actually depicted in the movie The Rat Pack with Ray Liotta, but I think there's a conversation that apparently really happened where JFK said, you know, they're not... You know, they said, they're not just going to hand me the nomination, Frank. I'm going to have to step over Humphrey. And Sinatra's response was that no one named Hubert will ever be the president. Uh, and I never thought anybody named Huckabee would be a viable candidate either, but here I am. So um, it is interesting to note that Huckabee in the last few days, as he has become more and more at least a perceived threat, uh, it, the questions have become sharper and more pointed at him. And uh, they have asked Huckabee directly in the last couple of days, do you uh, believe that Mormons are Christians? And it's telling to note that, A, he's getting that question, and it's even more telling that Huckabee won't answer it. He just, he, they, they asked him flat out, they said, do you believe that Mormons are Christians? And, and, and he just won't respond to the question at all. So it's only going to get more interesting. And you recall in the um, CNN YouTube debates from last week, Huckabee uh, was the one candidate who most closely said that uh, – uh, he believes uh, when that uh, fellow asked, uh, you know, do you believe that the Bible is uh, the true word of God and you believe every word in it? And Huckabee came closest, it seemed, to saying yes to that question, absolutely yes to that question. Uh, uh, but again, he is, um, you know, he, he is a favorite among uh, the, uh, uh, the the Christian uh, conservative community. All right, my friend, are you on? Are you on tomorrow? Uh, no, sir. All right. So we will talk to you at some point in the ill-defined future. <laughs> yes. All right. Until then, thank you. See Take you care, Rick. Thank you. Correspondent. Bob! Get the teeny! I really, really like him. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. He's great. All right. You know, one of these days, I'm going to put him on the spot because something Lisa said. I'm going to have him recite some Death Cab for Cutie lyrics. Uh, she claims he's like a big uh, Ben Gibbard fan, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make him do that. All right, well, let's do the gas thing here, cause I'm gonna. Otherwise, it's gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a thing that I that I talk about and we, that we never actually. It's like AM 970, solid oh, state sorry. radio. You understand that, you? F- sorry. Uh, just like what? Oh, just like your Cliff Bar from yesterday. Oh, talk man. About these oh, God, Don't talk about it now. Don't I'm talk about it now. Down. Okay. Oh, sons of bitches! I'm so angry about that. All right. Uh, so this, so Craig Gass, uh, impressionist or whatever, it was on the show yesterday, 
Uh, and he does, you know, his whole deal is doing a lot of, he does walk-in, which is, you know, one that many people do, although he does the best walk-in. Jay Moore does a close second. Jay Moore's walk-in is really good, too. But Gas, in my opinion, does the best walk-in. But he went into the studio with us and did a whole series of liners. And I've had to cut out the Wrote banter. nothing down. Yeah, you, like, you did it all. Like, did this, like, completely straight, like, all the way through. Just change characters and come up with things to say. So I'm going to play this, but... Uh, so he does, you know, like all the and Pacino and did whatever here. So this is, I don't know, a couple minutes long, but it's just gas in the studio, and I've cut out all of our banter uh, because there was a lot of like, it was a lot of like, hey, is the microphone? Let me set the level, and it was, most of it was boring. So I've just trimmed it down to just a meet here. But listen to how every time, uh, listen to how every time he becomes Tracy Morgan, though, it turns into <laughs> some sort of a veiled come on at Sarah. All right. <clears throat> hey, what's up? This is Adam Sandler, and you're listening to my good buddy, Rick Emerson. He's cool, and uh, he's no fool. And uh, it's on AM 970, Solly State Radio. Uh, Sarah, still waiting for that uh, friend request to come through. Uh, please do. I know I'm Jewish, but please don't hold it against me. Thank you. By the way, uh, apparently there was some... I was going to say nutcase listener. Well, it's too late now. Um, apparently there's some listener who showed up yesterday demanding to speak to Adam Sandler at the front door. No way. <laughs> Bridget told me. Or, or no, no, uh, Cheryl told me. Uh, the front of his shoes was like, it was, it was after the office was closed because he was on Marconi's show. And there was like, at the, I need, I'm here to talk to Adam Sandler. You know, and she, she just like would not be dissuaded from the idea that Adam Sandler was really here. That's how good he is. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Adam Sandler, and uh, you're listening to the only guy who's ever tried to hit on my grandma. It's Rick Emerson right here on AM 970 uh, Solid State Radio. Stay away from grandma. Hibby doo. Hibby I like Sarah. Yes, I do. I like Sarah. How about. Once you're listening for it, it just jumps out all the time, doesn't it, nice, Sarah? And she is my friend. My MySpace is the only thing that doesn't rhyme with friend. <clears throat> Hi, this is Christopher Walken, and you're listening to a guy whose voice is all f up. It's Rick Emerson right here on AM 970 Solid State Radio. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, Hi, this is Christopher Walken, and you're listening to a guy who's so misunderstood in this town. It's Rick Emerson right here at AM 970 Solid State Radio. You got him all wrong. You just, you got the wrong guy. Give him a chance. Sit back, relax, get some Crisco oil, and enjoy the show. I promise you'll like it. Hi, this is Al Pacino. Um, you're listening... <laughs> To a man. Let me just stop here. And just, it's, Pacino is great, but would this guy, and I'm speaking now to my fellow Gen Xers, would this guy not be the perfect Ren Hoek? You can hear when he's doing the Pacino how he would be a fantastic Ren from Ren and Stimpy. A little bit. Oh, you're going to get it. I've had it up to here with your tomfoolery. You know, that sort of. Hi, this is Al Pacino. Um, you're listening to a man. You a real man, Rick Emerson, right here at 7:90 yeah. a.m. Solid State Radio. Forget about it. Whoa! Hey, this is Paul Stanley, and this is Gene Simmons from Kiss, and you're listening to the number one Kiss fan. Yes. Uh, you should bring up the fact that he's that this isn't cut. 
Oh, no, 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 this is in a row. Yeah, there's no editing here except occasionally I would adjust uh, the microphone and level. And, 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 and take out Sarah and I giggling and cursing. Yeah, that should also be noted here. He's just doing this with no uh, reset. This fan on the planet. He's just rolling it's one white after the other after the other. AM 970, Solid State Radio. By the way, Rick, looked in your file at the Kiss Army. You owe us $20. <laughs> Pay your dues. I'm glad I'm not the only one who snorts, by the way. Hey, what's up? This is Lars Ulrich from Metallica, and you're listening to one of the biggest rock fans of all time. He actually does the great, like, arm wave, too, that Lars does. Back in the day, we always had a lot of fun, and our, our mullets were always the same, too. We always matched up to each other right here on 970 AM Solid State Radio, huh? Ha! Hey, what's up? Uh, this is Tom Arnold, and uh, you're listening to a good buddy of mine. This is Rick Everson right here. He's a good buddy of mine. I've known him for a long time, and now that I don't have a job, I'm hoping he might give me one. Maybe I might be able to clean up in the studio afterwards. I could, uh, I could uh, uh, help out uh, with Sarah or uh, or something. But uh, with Sarah or something. Painkillers, yeah, but I still go to meetings. AM 970, uh, Solid State Radio. I love cocaine. Um. <laughs> uh... Hey, what's up? This is Owen Wilson. I love heroin, and when I'm not doing heroin, the only thing that can replace <laughs> it is Rick Emerson, right here on AM 970. This is when I didn't expect I didn't expect that either. Man, you're awesome. You're like a beautiful little butterfly. You just got to come out of your shell. Wow. Hey, this is Craig Gass, the future of comedy. And then he does a couple. This is actually your suggestion. Who am I? Uh, I'm actually, not to be a dick, but I'm going to skip these. AM 970. <laughs> hey, this is Craig. I don't know. I'm a comedian. I'll be funny in a minute. <clears throat> um. Hi, this is Gilbert Godfrey, <laughs> and you're listening to a man. Let me just say, first of all, I wasn't prepared for this one, and Gilbert Gottfried himself is sort of terrifying. <laughs> and I was looking away when he did this one. I was, like, looking at the screen or my shoe or the butterfly or something, and I was I was distracted by a thing. And I'm like, you know, bent over tying my shoe, and I hear this, hi! And, I'm just like, <laughs> and it's so weird, because, I mean, I don't know if that goes without saying, but the guy, he's just so good at that. Well, and that's like, it's weird listening to it today, because we were watching him all day yesterday yes. doing it, but not having him in the room and hearing this. The Sandler one is on camera. Yeah. Yeah. When he's doing that, waka woo thing. I mean, it's just, yeah, his Godfrey is unbelievable. And who does Gilbert Gottfried? I mean, really, honestly. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening <laughs> to a man who's... The craziest Jew I've ever met, Rick Emerson. They say he's Jewish. I don't see it. He seems very Gentile. 970 <laughs> Solid State Radio. Did I mention it's on the AM? Obviously, you can't afford an FM station. That's why you're on the AM. You're broke. I think he's wrapping it up with the, I think he's going to wrap it up with the chemist in here. There was no Tracy Morgan. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, no. Hey, this is Tracy Morgan. I'm a Now, I'm just you saying. You are reading into this. Okay, let's find out. I'm a black dude. You're listening to two white people that I love. Right here on AM 970 Solid State Radio. It's Rick Emerson and my main bitch, Sarah. I want to make out with you, Sarah. I'm going to move up inside the... That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds subtle. No, it sounds like I. No, you really have to read between the lines. Any here. woman, like they're just like, oh, you know, there's a man and a woman, and that's a woman. All right. Well, please forgive me. Clearly, I was 
seeing something that's just not there. <laughs> I don't know my Alec Baldwin's like. Oh, uh, this is the Alec Baldwin is the only one that I have tweaked, and you may have to pot this up a little more. He was doing Alec oh, Baldwin. Did the phone thing? I processed it to sound like it's on a voicemail because it, Alec Baldwin that you are a thoughtless pig. You know that voicemail. So I tweaked this one, but it dropped the amplitude. So you may have to um, I yeah. I processed this one. Uh, <clears throat> Let's see here. Hi, this is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to a very good friend of mine. It's Rick Emerson on AM nine seventy Solid State Radio. Rick, if you don't behave, I'm going to come to your house and. Beat you like a little pig. <laughs> you better straighten up. I'm Alec Baldwin. I'm very intense. Hi, this is Alec Baldwin. I was married to a whore, but my life's cleaned up now. You're listening to Rick Emerson at AM 970 Solid State Radio. Keep it here and stay away from whores. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're just sitting laughing at our own crap here, but it's genius. I mean... I think the people must be entertained by Stay away from whores. You know what? I... As I sometimes I was just say, coming up with that on the spot. You didn't even plan on doing Alec Baldwin. He'd never done an Alec Baldwin. Well, because you had to talk him into it. Yeah. Uh, I cut out a whole section where you're like, that is effing genius. That effing rocks. That sure, and this is your phrase. You're like, that sure is F better happen on Sunday. That was your thing. So Classic. Yeah. I'm not saying that I don't care about the audience. Clearly I do, but I'm saying this. sometimes I just have to go with what I think is funny. And if, hope, you know, if everybody else finds it funny, so much the better. Um, I think we got Kinnison and then, then we're... Hey, this is Tracy no. Morgan. <laughs> You'll listen to my favorite dude, Rick Emerson, right here on AM 970. That's solid state radio. I don't think they play any music here, but I'll bring in some Shocker Con records. Sarah, you want to f***? <laughs> now, I'm sure that... No, he does that to everybody. Uh-huh. Okay. He said Richie a couple times. You just don't mention that. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Hey, what's up? This is Tracy oh. Morgan. You're listening to my main man, Rick Emerson. And Sarah, I want to get her pregnant. Right here on AM 970, Solid State Radio. No, I can see where you'd think totally. that it was not there at no, all. That I'm there. something I'm it's imagining. Just playing a character. I'm inferring it in my head. Yeah. That Crazy. Right. <laughs> hey, folks, this is Sam Kennison. Hey, didn't you die like 10 years ago? Yeah, I did. But the only thing that brings me back from the dead is listening to Rick Emerson's show on AM 970 Solid State Radio. You understand that, you f whore? Oh! Oh! All right. <laughs> It's that laugh, man. And I think we are now leaving. This is the one fanboy thing I asked him to do. Uh, this is the this is the one request I made of him uh, that was just purely and solely for my own gratification. And I know that sounds awkward. Uh, so if you call my phone, uh, you won't hear this actually because I, my voicemail was just you know you have reached. Um, but if you call my phone, this is what I will hear. Hey folks, this is Sam oh no, it's one more before that. And you listen to my guys, Rick Emerson. This is a guy I used to party with. This is a guy I used to do a lot of drugs with. This is a guy I shot heroin with. Right here at AM 970, Solid State Radio, this guy is the man! Everybody else is a pussy! Oh, oh! All right, so this is the... Uh... <laughs> Rick! Hey, buddy, it's Sam Kennison. Pick up your phone, buddy. Pick up your phone! Oh! Oh! <laughs> Somebody's calling you, dick. All right, there you go. Wow, that'll be fun for everyone who's getting yes. around you when your phone rings. Yes, it is. I can't wait for it to go off during the next department head meeting. Just blow two in a row. There you go. Get you pregnant. All right. Uh, anywho, I'm sure it's a figure of speech. 
He was playing a character. Sure, he just means get coffee. Yes. Sometimes the kids call getting coffee getting pregnant. <laughs> you want to go get pregnant at the break? <laughs> Back after this with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. These facts about ants are creepy. See, and it's confusing, too. The average life expectancy of an ant is 45 to 60 days. And then further down the page it says, I guess this is maybe only wood ants. Live 7 to 10 years. This is clearly some sort of, you know what it is? This is not like a sell you the razor, give you the blades, or whatever that is. Give you the razor, sell you the blades. This is a give you the ant farm, sell you the ants scheme. Clearly I've been sucked into some sort of a weird insectivore Ponzi scheme. It's like kind an of ant thing. black market. It's exactly, it's a black ant market. <laughs> I'm sorry, here's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Guess what? What? One lane of I-5 might be open <laughs> at some point tonight. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. Is it still undetermined? Well, you know, they try not to make big promises. And then? Well, there's a decrease in water as crews are breaching a dike to allow the floodwaters to drain more rapidly back into the Chehalis River. At least that's what they tell us. We brought in an excavator Wednesday evening to breach the airportway levee and help drain the floodwater. The water receded throughout the night, dropping um, about one inch per hour. Be sure to end all your sentences like this so that your sound bite becomes really irritating almost immediately. That's Alex uh, Feynman, the flood lady. She it's says the uh, the dike is lowering the water levels on I-5. At this point, the water level is about four feet above I-5 for about three quarters of a mile of I-5 that's still underwater. So that's not bad. Yeah. So if you have a good enough car, you can make that jump. <laughs> You're just gonna, if you get a good like running start at it. Just what you want to do is before when you see the water coming up, just floor the accelerator. Just mash it down as hard as you can and just leave it there until you're through the water. So they've been able to get to dry areas of the interstate and start repairs. Our crews have barricaded the roadways. We have Washington State Patrol troopers. I think the National Guard is out there now, too, uh, detouring traffic around. It's really, you know, it's Mother Nature right now, and we have to wait for the water levels to go back down before we can reopen these highways. There's more reasons to avoid Chehalis. And, and you know, just the thing is, ever since this flood happened, I never realized we knew so many people who go back and forth to Seattle. Uh, because yeah, they're like 60,000 a day. I know, and everybody, I think it was the, um, I think the, the new program director for KUFO was saying he had to go to Seattle. I think he's, I think he's going to Seattle to fly to somewhere else for some reason. I, I, I'm confused. I can't, there's some reason though. Uh, and then the GM is doing the same thing because he is actually uh, moving here. He's moving all his stuff down from Seattle. And so it's a whole lot of just like having to hang a left at, you know, Ellensburg or whatever and adding another 9 million hours onto your trip. So they do have the Amtrak train, if you want to take that. Yeah, but, but they're probably not running, though. Up. But, the Am- but the train's not running. It is running. Is it? Yes. It's a little late, but it is running. Okay, so it is running, because there was some discussion last night about whether the train was, in fact, turned yes, off. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so it is there. They, they turned right. it back on. They plugged it back in. And I guess Horizon is doing those, like, shuttled things. The Lewis and Clark planes, The Lewis yeah. and Clark. The Lewis Good luck getting one. <laughs> That's the spirit. Horizon has great flights. You'll never get one. You'll never make the six, is Tim Riley. So here's another problem. There may be a delay in this year's uh, flotilla of the Christmas ships. Now, they set sail every week for two weeks on both the Columbia and the Willamette Rivers. They were supposed to start on Friday, but now the massive amount of logs might sink one of these ships. 
This is the uh, 53rd year that they're supposed to have one. They're made up of 55 to 60 local recreational boaters who volunteer their time to build their holiday displays and oh. operate their boats. All right, is that thing where they string lights on the boat and then they yeah. sail down the river and you look and you it's point? It's very pretty. Yeah. yeah. So they're afraid they're going to hit a log and sink. Go to Vernonia where they have a flotilla of rats that you can enjoy. Well, they've been telling the townspeople to bring all their stuff and throw it in the middle of the town. <laughs> this is a good chance to clean out Granny's cellar. Exactly. So if you've got, apparently if you've got trash of whatever variety, uh, you know, in Vernonia, you just got a big pile of crap in the basement you want to get rid of, this is the, now is that thing you've been waiting for. This is the time. Uh, Richie, I am looking at the warm line, which is, uh, should I be answering that? Who might that be? I don't know. It appears to have been, uh, well, it's no one. It's been hung up. Well, if somebody was there, they're gone now. Here's Tim Riley. A flood warning continues for the Tualatin River at Farmington. That affects Washington County. It'll be in effect till 11 o'clock Friday. The Weather Service says to expect flood and numerous secondary roads in around Farmington and Tualatin to flood and continue to do so. Okay, here's a weird story. And it comes from Clackamas County, like you would uh, think of it. Of course. So try to follow this. Clackamas County deputies say a father stole a truck and eluded police in a crime that eventually left his 20-year-old son dead in a creek. Now, under arrest is Kenneth Boyd Carver, and they got him in Hubbard, charged with an unauthorized use of a vehicle, possessing a stolen vehicle, eluding police, and violating his parole. So the cops are trying to pull over this 1985 blue and white pickup in a rural area early yesterday morning. Make that Tuesday morning. They lost track, but finally found the stolen truck abandoned and running with its lights on in a large produce farm with multiple outbuildings. Then officers towed the truck but never found anybody aboard. Later in the morning, Kenneth Carver, the father of Joshua Wiley, called 911 saying he found his son dead in a nearby creek. Now, Carver said he thought his son was out late partying in the area. It might have been in the truck that was later reported stolen. Well, witnesses say it was the dad himself that was driving the stolen truck with his son in it earlier in the evening. Well, the family that parties together. Uh, old man Carver has been arrested 52 times since 1980 for burglary, robbery, assault, <laughs> auto theft, driving violations, parole violations, many, and just about everything. How many times? 52 times. That's wonderful. Why is this man... <laughs> why, why is he fertile? They what, all what are. What can I do this time that I haven't done before? Why don't I drown my son and pretend that I found his dead body in a creek? <laughs> I bet I can pull it off. This will be the perfect crime. <laughs> Is that like the final square in his felonious bingo? <laughs> so this will be his 52nd offense. Well, okay. Now he has... This now he's probably better off without living with that gene pool, I would imagine. It's like some sort of criminal advent calendar for the whole year. You know what I mean? <laughs> this year, this week, theft. Next week, arson. But not just theft. It's sun drowning also. Jesus. And the sun is how old? 20. Wait, so how did, he, did the son drown accidentally? Well, he was in the truck with the dad. And they were out drinking together. Well, alleged. Alleged. I'm sorry. All of this is alleged. According to a police version of events, they were out drinking together, and then the truck was found in a creek or creek? It was, it was found behind an old barn. And then the kid was found where? The dad said he found his son dead in a creek. Okay. And that investigator said drowning is the cause of death. Now, put all these facts together and try to put a, together this little crowd. This is kind of like cold case. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know, it's uh, it's like Mama's family, but with a parole officer. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure, what is his name? The uh, the guy, the dad? Uh, Kenneth Mr. Boyd Fun. Carver. Okay, so Kenneth Boyd Carver is going to be bringing us a lot of entertainment over the coming six or eight months. Well done.
And they sold a 1985 truck, so he was nostalgic for the 80s when this kind of... Well, no, that's, still, that's really still a brand spanking. That's in Clackamas, that still counts as newfangled, the 1985 truck. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. Fantastic. So, just 52 times. Maybe he's aiming for some sort of a record. He's like that... Uh, what is it that the what is it that William Goldman book about the serial killers who were like dueling it out for the biggest record? Maybe he was strong. Maybe he was maybe he went a tote bag or something in Clackamas for that. Uh, police have arrested three men for breaking into Doozy's Tavern and stealing 98 cartons of cigarettes. <laughs> a witness reported that two men broke into the tavern early Wednesday morning and took off in a white Oldsmobile. Please, please tell me it is spelled D O O Z Y. Apostrophe S. That's correct. Fantastic. Doozy's Wonderful. Tavern. Of course. Where is this at? Uh, this is in Aloha. All right. They reportedly threw a large piece of concrete through a window to gain access. It worked. A deputy responded to the scene, spotted the vehicle, and it matched a description given to him. The deputy stopped the car near Northwest Evergreen Road. Well, that's close to my neighborhood. I'm glad it stopped. And found occupants of the vehicle matching the description. After permission for, uh, from the driver to search the car, they found 98 cartons of stolen cigarettes in the trunk. Jeffrey McGee, Dennis Lafferner, and a 17-year-old were arrested and charged with theft, burglary, criminal mischief, and conspiracy. Why would you give the cops permission? Well, it looks like the old-timers are giving the, taking the kids a line to teach them a trade. But if the cop pulls... Look, I don't mean to be giving advice to criminals, although we seem They'll to do that a lot in the, the trunk. trunk. Well, seriously, don't... If the... May I look in the trunk? No. The answer is Did always... Did you want anything from Jay-Z? No, I was just going to yeah. say... So you're going to need a warrant my for that. glove compartment is locked, so my trunk in the back. Yes. Don't ever let... The, I mean, I'm, even if you have nothing to hide, it's not a good idea just to allow the man to just freely pillage through all your possessions. It's rooting around like some sort of truffle hound. Come on. Cop says you... A cop never asks if he can look at something unless he has a reason to do so. If he has a reason to do so, you really need to ask yourself if you have a reason to decline that permission. Jesus. All right. I had a cop. Let me just tell you this. Uh, here's a brief story. Now, we are, then we're not anti-cop. But I, like I mean, cops. I, you know, I have two living in my neighborhood. I'm happy they're there. You know what? I, I was just going to say, you know what? The police have found my truck each of the three times that it's been stolen. So nobody has drowned stealing your truck. No, that's well, maybe next time. Um, it, it, this is the last time. Did I tell you the last time I found it? It was full of empty cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. And we never yeah. found out why. Like, where does one even buy empty cigarettes? Maybe they robbed them from doozies. <laughs> Possible. So they didn't look like emptied cigarettes? They hadn't been empty. Like there empty. were no tobacco. Like, they were they, they were clearly empty, like, from the get-go. I don't know. Cigarette packaging plant? I don't know. It's a weird thing. Uh, so, no, I'm not anti-cop. I'm just saying that you, 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 there's a well, difference. Well, cops have their rights. Civilians have their rights. Like, it's, it's nice to know your rights. And you know what? We're not opposed to the cop. We're opposed to the man. There's a difference. I'm not anti-police, but we are anti-the man. Uh, and so... I had the man come to my house one time for, and I don't even remember why. Why? It was, he, it was, I was living alone. I was still in Washington at that hideous station from which I almost quit to go work in Omaha, where I almost certainly would have been shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it, I'm sitting there just minding, as, as the story always goes, there I am, minding my own business when there's a... And I said, you know, who is it? And, it, and he said, you know, the, 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 you know Spokane Police. And of course, that's a good thing to hear. It, there's a, you know, even if you haven't done anything wrong, and I hadn't, even if you are not, you know, and I, I didn't have, I had no contraband in my home, as they say. I had no, uh, I had no drugs, nor weapons, nor illicit booty of any kind. Uh, but still, when you, when there's a knock at the door, and you say, "Who is it?" and the guy says, "You know, police." I mean, that, that's, that's a bad feeling. Like even when uh, my truck got stolen, like I think the second time. And we called the cops, and this uh, this hot female officer came to the door. And she, 
police, and it's like just, and I knew why they were there. They were coming to try to get my truck back, and it's still unnerving. Cop walks in. Because you I, never know, like, I'm, I'm like, am I doing something illegal, and I don't yeah. know it if I left them in my house? Do I have a chainsaw laying on the kitchen table covered in a cheerleader's blood? And it, and you start looking around, like, okay, do I have, like, do you have ever done this? Have you ever had a cop pull up, you know, like, not following you as such, but behind you on the road, and you immediately start thinking about, do I have heroin in my glove box? I mean, I, I don't think I do. There's no reason I would, but... Boy, won't my face be red if he, if he pulls me over and the, the glove box is full of a narcotic. Um, anyway, so the cop comes to my house in Spokane. I'm like, uh, who is it? Uh, Spokane police. And I'm like, well, okay. And I open it up and I, you know, and I take the chain off and, and I, you know, and of course I immediately do the, you know, the white guy. Can I help you, officer? Is there a problem? And he had gotten, and, and keep in mind, I lived alone and there was no one else in the apartment. And he'd gotten a report of, quote, a woman screaming. So that was a lot of fun. And he goes, yeah, and, and I think what eventually it turned out that it was the same apartment building, different apartment. Um, but he's like, well, we have reports of a woman screaming. And I said, oh, well, you know, there's nobody here. So, uh, you know, I don't know why that would be. You can look around if you want. And um, and so he's like, well, okay, well, we'll just, you know, if you don't mind, we'll come in and check it out. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And so, you know, didn't have any bound, anybody bound and gagged in my apartment. And so he, so he comes in with a flashlight. So you kind of thought about it for a second. You're like, or do I? Oh, yeah, totally. I'm like, exactly. And I didn't. But then you think, did I? Maybe the bad Rick had someone tied up and he didn't tell the good Rick, you know? Um, and then he, like, immediately cut to me, like, in the law and order interrogation room where I'm, like, chained to the table demanding that they get me, you know, that I get lawyered up. Um, and so he's walking through the house, and it was, like, it was kind of dimly lit. And he's holding that mag light, and he's holding it the way the cops always do, which is by the front so he can smash your skull in if you look at him wrong. So he can crack your head like an eggshell. And he's wandering through, and it's him and a partner. And so the first cop is on, like, Screaming Lady Recon, uh, looking, you know, looking for, the, <laughs> looking for the hooker that I've tied up before dismembering her. And I had, and this is really, actually, this is a true story. I had on my coffee table, they were caffeine pills. And they were actually a specific type. They were Vivran. And I don't even know if they sell Vivran anymore. I think they still sell Nodos, but I think the Vivran company has gone out of business. But Vivran, and it's stupid when you think about it, because why would competing brands of caffeine pills is just dumb. Um, because it's all the end. Why not just drink coffee? But it, it, when those came out when I was in high school, and they had like a big yellow box with like edgy writing on the front, and it was, you know, and so it was easily marketed to idiots like myself. And like, Vibrant, that kicks ass! You know, it's like we thought we were getting, like we would think we were getting all effed up. I'm going to go home and get ripped on some Vibrant. Yeah! And so I had this box of Vibrant, and I had these pills just sitting on the, and the cop totally did the thing of like, he looked at the pills, and then he shined the light at me, looked at the pills, and started picking them up and, like, sniffing them. And, like, clearly he'd watched, like, too many episodes of whatever, Dragnet or something. And he's, like, he's doing the stupid thing of, like, touching it with his pinky and, then like, dabbing it against his gums. It, it, as though that shows you anything. Um, and, and, you know, and they're just caffeine pills. But I got to tell you, in that moment, I was just like, oh, God. Oh, God, this is it. You know, I was I was totally turning into what's-his-name. Uh, Philip Clay or whatever that Hans Gruber is in Die Hard. Like, oh God, I'm gonna go to jail! And I just and you know and then he le and then of course there was no screaming woman, so they left. But Jesus, man, it's just terrifying. So don't ever give the cops permission to search anything they don't really have to. Ugh, good God Almighty! I have another terrifying cop story I'll tell later. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, speaking of police, theaters, this one comes to us from Oregon City, where police are on the lookout for a man who approached a homeowner 
Flash again and demanded money. Well, the homeowner told the RMA he didn't have any money or any valuables at all. After all, it's Oregon City. So the would-be robber walked away empty-handed, but not before offering up an apology and wishing the family a very Merry Christmas. Nah, 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 nah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up? I've also heard the uh, knock, 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 Spokane police. Yes. But in my case, there may or may not have been contraband on the table. And so why did they come to your house for? Uh, my neighbors upstairs complained about the noise, and I thought it was odd that they called the police and not the landlord. And so were you making noise? Uh, well, of course. Of course. And so the cops came to your door, and you had weed on the table? Uh, yeah, possibly. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so course, did they come in? Oh, yes. And notorious <laughs> for Spokane police, they collect everything and then tell me to have a nice day and leave. <laughs> of course. Why not? Why not? Where, where in Spokane did you live? I, oh, I lived uh, down in Felony Flats off of Sharp for a while, and then yeah. I lived out off of East Cataldo and uh, off Pines by the Brown Bag. Oh, you while. lived you lived in all the all the sexy places. Oh yes. Yeah, I lived way out in the valley by Miss Kitty's porn store. So. Dude, Miss Kitty's is dope. I love that place. Yes, it is dope, sir. Uh, did I just say that on the radio? Yes, yes, you did. To the embarrassment uh, of all. Whatever. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Have a nice day. Miss Kitty's is dope. All right. Miss Kitty's is creepy and makes you want to scrub. That's what Miss Kitty's does. All right. Does it help you build self-confidence? Um, were you about to say something else there? No. Were you about to ask if Miss Kitty helps with your waff? I don't know. And by waff, I mean a waff that's in mint. Um, the, uh... Nah, never mind. I was going to talk about Miss Kitty's, but really, what's the point? No one here lives in Spokane, so doesn't matter. And, it's, uh, and I don't even know if it's still there. It's probably gone by now. It was called Miss Kitty's... I do believe it was called Miss Kitty's Boutique. Because, because calling didn't something... We, didn't we just talk about that? That's no. when the politicians walked around no, cross-dressed. No, no. Different place. That was the erotique boutique. Oh, that's enough. That was erotique with a... The erotique was spelled with a Q-U-E. Oh, it's French. Well, because... Yes, it's therefore sexy. Because in Spokane, the key to making anything sexy is to call it a boutique. You know, whatever. Um, Miss Kitty's Boutique was just like the hideous... It was, and, it was, and you couldn't drink there. But it was... It did what they do in a lot of cities. Where you could not drink in Miss Kitty's, which is just like the skeeziest place. I mean, I and I, you know, and whatever. Rick Emerson is not a prude. I pass no judgment. Whatever. Not a Puritan. It's a big world. Everybody should follow their own whatever. I'm just saying, for me, uh, when I first was out living on my own, I think when you get to a, there's certain stages in your life when you have either legally or just because no one's watching you, you know, you're able to kind of do stuff, and you're like, all right, I can drink deeply from the flagon of life. I'm going to go to a strip club and, you know, or whatever. And, you know, sometimes you're into that and then sometimes you're not. And there's something you don't. I'm going to begin drinking every night until I vomit. And, you know, and, and then that's either your thing or it isn't. Mm. Um, but for me, like, I, I, I moved out and then I moved to Spokane, which has just a staggering number of, of, of adult-themed stores of all varieties. What kind of a person would live in a place like Spokane? Where would they come me. from? Me. Kennewick. So that's like the Paris of... I, I don't... Houston, Washington. Yeah, I don't think this is in the final cut of Bigger Than Jesus, but one of the versions of Bigger Than Jesus had this line where I was, you know, where, where I caught and it was like really dramatic because it seemed so at the time. It's like Spokane, Washington, the second biggest city in Washington state because, you know, like it, it, because Seattle's the biggest city in Washington and the most prestigious. But of course, you know, in my hick brain, like Spokane was just one notch beneath that, which is like completely, which is like saying, it, which is like saying, well, you know, Portland is the biggest and most important city in Oregon. I will start at Clackamas, you know, or whatever, but not even Clackamas. Like, 
God, I can't even think of, you know, I will start in Gresham and then someday move to Portland. That was my thing with Spokane. Spokane, and plus, you got to realize my hometown was 20,000 people. It was tiny. Um, so low, it wasn't even, you know, it didn't it even ranked by um, any of the radio. Like, the market size for that radio-wise is so, Spokane was market 134, but Kennewick was so low it couldn't even be rated. No, I, I can understand. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to move to Spokane. That's where legends are made. Hmm. And so I moved to Spokane. And, uh, and I was like 18, 19, you know, whatever, and... um. And I was like, you know, now I will begin to live life as only a rock star has lived life. And I, and so I, I will go to the Deja Vu, which is a place, I, a strip club that I don't think they have here. But I went to the Deja Vu because that was Led Zeppelin's favorite strip club. And so um, so I would go there. And then to Miss Kitty's. And Miss Kitty's I only ever walked into once because it was right near my house. And it was, you know, like I'm some dumb 19-year-old guy. And I'm like, you know. So, Self, what shall we do tonight? I know. Let us walk down the street to Miss Kitty's where, where good times are had by all. And I, and I walk in, and Miss Kitty's is one of those places that you really only hear about, like when they would talk about like how Times Square used to be, where it, it was not a strip club. You know, it wasn't like a, like a, you know, it wasn't like a, like a place here where it's like you go in, and there's you know, a bar and couches, and you hang out, and you whatever, and there's a stage. This was not that. This was one of those hideous places where you walk in, and it's like, um, uh, it's like, you know, when you go to uh, whatever your insurance company, like, you know, when I go to your Trazodone or whatever it is, and you go to the pharmacy, and there's like a huge, or the DMV, it's like there's a huge glass window, and then some dividers, like like maybe bathroom stall dividers, and so like, you, you know, you're standing there waiting for the person to come bring you your Valium or whatever, and... It, and you're not entirely in a booth. It's just like some little wooden walls that jut out about two feet just to separate you from the patron next to you. You walk in, and that's what Miss Kitty's looks like. It looks exactly like you're walking up to a pharmacy window. Big-ass pane of glass, uh, and then a little place to, like, set your drink, and then some walls that come out just enough so you cannot see the guy standing next to you. You walk in, and there's some sort of a motion-sensing device or a bell or something that lets them know that a customer has come in. And it was always, like, really empty. It was always, like, you and one guy in a raincoat or whatever. You walk in, and immediately this terrible, sleazy, like, music starts playing. And then just a bunch of, it must be said, just a bunch of skanks just just walk out. And then they start doing, it's so disgusting. They walk out, and they just start doing this, like, like this gyrating like sex dance, like you know, like they're really like like they are casting their libidinal spell upon you, and then they dance for about they dance for like twenty seconds, and then they literally say, "Sir, if you'd like to continue the dance, please please put fifty cents in the slot in front of you." And you look down and there's a little coin slot that's all disgusting that you don't want to touch, and you literally have to put in like fifty cents to get the whatever to get like the curtain or whatever to raise back up. I mean, it's just like the worst curtain to raise back. Yeah, because because and they the puppet show begins. <laughs> no, well, the puppet show begins later, Tim. Oh, um, no, the uh, but you walk in and they dance, and then like then like a, whatever, like a little um, curtain or a door or whatever it is, kind of goes and just drops, and you have to put in like fifty cents to get the curtain to go back up, where then they like dance for another ninety seconds, then the curtain falls again, and it's just. And you do that like once or twice, and then you kind of go, "I am a retard. Why? Why am I here? What? Who, under what circumstances did I think this would be sexy?" And then you just go home and weep to yourself and eat some macaroni and fall asleep. The end. Miss Kitty's, an erotic boutique. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, Highway 26 has reopened, uh, so you can drive to the coast if you want. But why would you go there, really? It's covered in feces. There's nothing to see. No. Uh, let's talk about some uh, other things, shall we? Oh. 
A food store in New York's Greenwich Village has found itself red-faced after offering hams for sale with the slogan, Delicious for Hanukkah. Oh, oh really? Yes. In Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. Now, there are many walks of life represented in New York, the Jewish faith prominently among them. Mm-hmm. Who thought that was a good idea? I don't know. The owner of this uh, Gentile. Some apparently. damn Gentile. Uh, so, uh, so, somebody posted a uh, picture of the hams in a newspaper, and they were promptly removed. <laughs> well, that's like, I think Dan Savage was going to make the observation that, and I've seen these, I think, I won't name the place, but there's a prominent uh, bagelry uh, that is uh, I, I here in Portland, and certainly uh, in the Northwest, where they actually sell bacon-flavored bagels. And I'm pleased. Can we just have at least the tiniest bit of respect for a culture? Hi. Uh, hello, Jewish brother. Thank you so much for giving us the gift of the bagel. Let's stuff it full of bacon. I mean, it just... It, I mean, even I feel... I mean, I, I just look at that and I feel bad. So, there you go. Well, don't... Yeah, don't do that. Uh, Amy's Winehouse is among the top vote-getters heading for the 58th <gasps> she needs annual... To open a bar called Amy's Winehouse. Mm-hmm. I'm yes, sorry. Her, her career has been sidetracked by a number of personal problems. She's up for six Grammys, including one of the best new artists. While announcing the nominees this morning, comedian Georgia Lopez made a joke about the rehab singer's expense. Nelly Furtado for Say It Right and Amy Winehouse for Rehab. Is that done? Can somebody wake her up this afternoon around 6 and tell her? Or drunk ass. Okay, that was really loud. That was George Lopez. Please don't play that again without warning. George Lopez. Okay, yeah. Do you want me to play the no, game? No, 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 no. Boy, that was really... Am I the only one who was just deafened by that? I was. Well, like... you guys listen to your headphones a lot louder than I do. Wow. Boy. Um, I guess it's our fault for listening to their headphones <laughs> yes. so hard. Um, this, uh, Jesus. Uh, so she went six Grammys she'd been nominated for? Yeah. Well, enjoy it while it lasts. Cause we all know, I mean, she's not going to be alive by the time they have the ceremony well, anyway. And not only that, but you can already tell, you already get the feeling with Amy Winehouse that she is some gum out of which the flavor has been chewed, mm-hmm. and no one will care about her next record. Uh, she is the arrested development at the band. She's uh, flavorless. Of this time. Yeah, just, I mean, she did really white hot for a second, and the novelty value has worn off. People have realized that she had, like, the one really great single, which is largely a creation of her producers. Uh, they did a great job. Her producers uh, are the people who ought to win a Grammy, because that's a really amazingly well-produced record. But you do realize that she's sort of just incidental of the whole thing. Like, she really didn't, you know, it could have been any number of people. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the next record to come out, nobody will care. Uh, Rick, I am at PDX en route to London for the Led Zeppelin show. I have to listen through a wall of static to hear you at the airport. Uh, I will let you know how the show goes. Uh, that is um, this guy. Uh, I think his name was William Warren mm. Walden. Mm. Wickety, wickety. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so, well, uh, have a safe trip, sir. Enjoy Zeppelin. And, yeah, we're gonna, when you get back, we'll have you on the air to talk about that. Here's Tim Riley. The star of the Fox television drama 24 will have a new number, 48. <laughs> That's how many days Keeper Sutherland will spend in the California jail. He was given the sentence for racking up a second drink driving arrest in three years. He had the option of uh, putting off the sentence to mid-February, but decided to get it over with. Now he's at a plush Glendale jail. Under the terms of his plea, the prosecutor in the case of the Emmy Award winner must serve five years of probation, pay a steep $510 fine, enroll in an 18-month alcohol education class and attend weekly alcohol therapy sessions for six months. He must serve all 48 days of his sentence 
And uh, police say uh, uh, he'll spend that time uh, working either in the laundry room or the kitchen. Why does he get 48 days and Paris Hilton is out in like nine or whatever? Well, because he, he got uh, he got a better prison. You know, the thing is, I have this great idea. I'm going to tell this to Rube later on. You know what they ought to do at, at, in L.A. County now where this does seem to be such a, a place where people get preferential treatment? When you're sentenced to jail, they ought to have a wheel of jails they spin. You know? <laughs> Oakland. You know what I mean? And that then, is... It's a funny. wheel of jails, and that also means that occasionally just some low-level crack dealer gets the plush, you know, gets the plush place where they bring you cigars every day. Totally, exactly. How great would that be? And you know what? The thing is, I bet that would deter crime. Maybe not really like the hard scrabble, you know, the really just the bad, bad, hardest of the hardcore crime. But you know what? Just the, just your average white-collar idiot, that would probably deter. Like if you knew. That if you were, you know, I'm a rich white banker. Doesn't matter. Oakland. You know, and then they just send you to like just some hellhole. Um, th that might actually deter somebody from committing a crime. If they thought they were just going to be sent to just some, just, you know, you're going to Rikers Island. You know, just some terrible place. So, all right, somebody should do that. Uh, we have to break because it's 1240. And uh, so forth. Who wants to hear a creepy fact about ants? I do. Ants are creepy, man. They are really messed up. You know what's terrified? Just the name. The Slave Maker Ant. <laughs> the Slave Maker Ant raids that the... That one's dressed in leather. <laughs> well, Mr. Ant. Want to join me in this kitties? Skip it. Back it. Back it for this. Emerson Radio Program, 503-733-2970. So here's an exciting sports announcement. I know this is accurate because I made an actual sports fan read it and make sure that it was correct. AM970, that is us, uh, is proud, and we are, uh, to carry Seahawk football this Sunday, December 9th. Uh, Seattle facing off against the Arizona Cardinals at 11 a.m. And then I noted here a little bit of uh, editorial comment. A victory over Arizona would clinch a fourth straight division title for Seattle in what has become a hotly contested rivalry between Seattle and Arizona. So there you go. That's uh, this Sunday, 11 a.m. Uh, Seahawks football right here. This Sunday, 11 a.m., a.m. 970. Dave's in read that, and he told me it is factually accurate and interesting. Here's Tim Riley. That is fascinating. It is. Well, the Mitt made a speech about his uh, religion. He was uh, trying to copy the old uh, JFK speech way back from 1960. Neither Catholic, Protestant, nor Jewish. When no public official either requests or accepts instructions on public policy from the Pope, the National Council of Churches, or any other ecclesiastical source. When no religious body seeks to impose its will, directly or indirectly, upon the general populace, or the public acts of its officials. You get the idea. He had, had to make this to uh, a bunch of Houston redneck ministers back yeah. in 1960. Uh, well, that's, and there's that whole great uh, sequence in that Rat Pack film. That it, and I didn't ever actually tell the story on the air, but so there's this movie, The Rat Pack, with Ray Liotta, Don Cheadle, Joe Mantegna, um, Dan O'Hurley, um, the guy Ivan Zanelli, who was from uh, um, uh, Homicide. It's a, a, a great movie. Um, Bobby Slayton is in it. 
Uh, but it came out in like 97, 98. Another, not a recent film. And I just saw it this past Sunday. But the weird thing is, it, at exactly the same time that you were watching it, because uh, you'd rented it, and then you took it and were watching it, I uh, was watching it as well. For no readily apparent reason. It was like this weird billion-to-one coincidence. And, and to add to that, one of the listeners saw me renting it. Yeah, there. So and, they, and sent you an email. Yeah, so she was like, I, you know, and we got a whole, you know, I just saw Tim, you know, this, on Sunday, but I had the dignity and the courtesy not to respect him, you know, or not, not to, or the respect not to, you know, approach him and speak to him. Um, so just in some bizarre coincidence, so yeah, Tim and I in different sections of the city are watching the Rat Pack film, but there is this great moment um, where Joe Kennedy is just going, he's just having a meltdown. He's just a bastard and he's just, he's just furious about the fact. Uh, that his son is having a hard time getting elected because he's friends with Frank Sinatra, who is A, the best man at an interracial wedding, uh, and B, it, because they've just had, as Joe, as uh, Joe Kennedy puts it, he says, bad enough we had to drag the Pope and all his baggage down to Dixie. You know, and Peter, Peter Lawford is doing that whole thing about how the New York Times is behind JFK. People in Alabama don't read the New York Times, Peter. He's just so furious about the whole thing. But Jay, it's, it's hard to sort of imagine that now, but JFK had this whole millstone around his neck of being Catholic because they were afraid that he would then be taking his orders from the Vatican. Which is not really Mitt Romney's, uh, Romney's problem. Mitt Romney's problem. Everybody just, you know, everybody just thinks he looks like an uh, automaton, and that a fair number of Americans uh, think that Mormons are crazy. So, you know, so that's kind of his, uh, you know, that's kind of his his particular boggle there. I think there's no crazier than anybody else, I suppose. Um, but he's got to kind of get that uh, from around his neck. It is weird. Have you ever seen that Rat Pack footage where they're doing the summit in at the Sands in Vegas, and Kennedy's actually like in the third row? No. Oh, there's this amazing, it is a kinescope, I do believe. Um, well, you know, I'm saying that not knowing what a kinescope is. I was fronting just there. What is a kinescope? There is a television and a movie camera that is recording what's going on the television. Back in the old days, before you could get television from the East Coast, the West Coast got kinescopes. So it was actually a film of a television uh, broadcast. Right. Okay. Well, Not maybe, in front of a TV. So maybe this is that. Maybe it's not, I don't know. But it, it's um. I keep meaning to to get you to bring you that Rat Pack Confidential book by Sean Levy. Um, but he at, at one of the the summit meetings, which is this, uh, this sort of ongoing stand up sort of thing that the, the Rat Pack did for you know however many nights in in uh, in Vegas at the Sands. Um, on I think the second night there. Um. They, you know, Sinatra says something about blah, 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 and the next president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. And it's a little bit out of focus because you can't really see him, but Kennedy stands up and he sort of turns on like waves to the crowd a little bit. And it's just so bizarre to imagine a time when a presidential candidate in still a very conservative time in American history it could be there at, you know, a Rat Pack performance while he was, you know, bonking Marilyn Monroe, you know, backstage in a closet or something. It's just such a strange time. JFK. There's a great book called um, The Dark Side of Camelot by Seymour Hirsch. It is it, just staggering the number of things JFK did, and both as a candidate and as president, that you could just never get away with now. You know, I'm going to have Marilyn up to the White House, and we're going to swim nude. You know, <laughs> well, okay, sure, go ahead. And then I'm going to have sex with her on the desk of the Oval Office while I stare at the Washington Monument and ponder my own manhood. Just, okay, Jack, whatever you want, you know, just fine. But he had a, a zest for living. <laughs> and for And for humping. And I say to you now, I have a zest for humping. They seek to remove from the public domain any acknowledgement of God. 
Religion oh, is God. seen as merely a private affair with no place in public life. Okay. It's as if they're intent on establishing a new religion in America, the religion of secularism. They're uh -huh. wrong. I Oh, it's, it's, I almost said something indecent there. I almost made it well, indecent. Two more bites here. I made it indecent play on words almost. This is one nation under God. I will take care to separate the affairs of government from any religion, but I will not separate us from the God who gave us liberty. You know, he has never answered anything no. about anything. No, ever. no, he hasn't. Never, not once, ever, ever, ever. He, he just puts a spin on everything that makes you confused about what the original point well, was. Well, and let's, let's just say this. He has been, and I don't want anybody to think I'm singling out Mormons for criticism. Some of my best wives have been Mormon. No, we're singling out politicians. That's a double joke right there. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's two jokes in one. I have that was a bonus. <laughs> See, because it was some of my best friends, and then it was also, I'm really married to one, and then also, hey, polygamy. Some of my best wives are more. Oh, never mind. Mine, too, too, much, deep. too much humor for this room. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't even really think we're singling them out. Uh, but he's running for president, and that's just the way it goes. You've got to take your lumps. Um, so it, I, I don't have anything. I, I, this sounds like such tokenism, but it really is true. I don't have anything against Mormons. I don't have anything against anybody else. Just, you know, I don't like people in general. Um, but when he does this, and he's just such a, such a shyster, you know, uh, he's been um, LDS, he's been a Mormon his entire life, and yet he was, like, pro-choice. As a lawmaker, he was pro-choice up until, like, three years ago, by his own admission, and yet we're supposed to believe he's like a man of deep and abiding principles. I mean, you know, whatever, be pro-choice, be pro-life, just don't be, you know, just don't be like a hypocritical dick about it, which clearly is what he's being. And you're right that he never answers anything. Never. They throw him... The question, and he does like the storm shadow thing of like, bam, cloud of smoke, and he's gone. Like he does this ninja uh, jujitsu answering thing where he just, there's no actual response. Keep looking at my hair. Keep looking at my hair. Keep looking at my hair. <laughs> exactly. The power of Bob compels you, and it's just a whole lot of, you are transfixed by the fact that every single strand is in place, and that his suit is immaculately tailored and free of even the slightest vestiges of lint. And that's really what mesmerizes you. And... And because he's a Republican candidate, he has managed to fit all three <laughs> important words of their platform into one sentence. Wait, hold on. Family? Close. Uh, uh, uh freedom. Got one. Freedom. Jesus. Freedom, uh, 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 safety? No, liberty? Two? Freedom and liberty? Mm -hmm. Freedom, the liberty? Last one, the big one. God. God. Yes. All right. America's resolve in the defense of liberty has been tested time and again. It has not been found wanting, nor must it ever be. America must never falter in holding high the banner of freedom. Now, he's a little bit different than Bush. Bush just has two-word phrases. He has entire sentences that he uses for every question oh, to yeah. answer it. And, and they're stock answers. The thing about Mitt Romney is he's, just, he's so off-putting and creepy that he sort of makes me want to be intolerant. You know what I mean? It's like He makes, like, watching him just do these completely pointless, just gelatinous Goo. Yeah, I mean, com completely factless responses. It makes me want to see a reporter stand up and go, do you believe that God lives on a planet named Kolob? I'll take a yes or a no. I mean, really, that's honestly what I want. He just... And then he'll answer, family. Yeah, because <laughs> freedom and liberty plus also things and stuff and ideas and whatnots. He just, I uh, look very competent <laughs> and not one hair will fall out of place. He looks like he ought to be changing into something in a phone booth most of the time. He really does. He does kind of have this weird George Reeves kind of thing going on. All right. Well, there you go. Do you believe the Garden of Eden is in Missouri? 
Answer, yes. Yes. Also, they believe that uh, Jesus' second coming will be in, in Missouri. Like in case you're taking notes. In Missouri? They do. It's fact. Also, God lives on a planet called Kolob. I don't know what to say. Well, you can just snicker if you like. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So, authorities are scratching their heads over this one. 24-year-old Kyle Berry of Hesperia, California, was tailgating a motorist on I-15 shortly after 1 o'clock yesterday morning. Barry stopped his pickup truck in the slow lane and left it idling there while he confronted the driver of the car he'd been tailgating, who had uh, pulled over thinking Barry was a cop. Barry then identified himself as an FBI agent, whereupon the offending driver punched him in the face and knocked him <laughs> to the ground and then spit away. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Okay. Meanwhile, a few seconds later, Barry was stuck and killed by another vehicle that, <laughs> while well, he was oh. walking back to his truck. Okay, damn. Well, that's a bad day. Authorities confirm Barry is definitely not with the FBI. They try to piece together information on him to find out why he was behaving in such an irrational manner. Oh, so he wasn't an FBI guy at all. He was just some guy claiming. Yeah. And he managed to pull some guy <laughs> over, somebody... punched him in the nose, and then as he's walking back to the car, he is struck by a car and killed. <laughs> the end. Uh, okay. Fantastic. So what can you do? Nothing. Nothing at all, Tim. Oh, let me read this creepy slave ant fact, though. Um, slave ant. So this is from Interesting Facts About Ants at tiebugs.com. Slave ants, our newest fetish. <laughs> slave ants, America's new enemy. Um, slave maker ants. There is the actual name. Um, uh, let's see. Polyergis rufenish. That's like the Latin whatever. Slave maker is... It's, it's, slave maker... Um, slave maker ants, how creepy is this? Raid the nests of other ants and steal their pupae. They're dishonest. When these new ants hatch, they work as slaves within the colony. How creepy is that? That's pretty damn creepy. It's complete. I'm going to read it again. Wait, hold on. Let me, uh, I'm going to read it again with, with, with appropriate accompaniment. Let's see. Slave maker ants. Raid the nests of other ants and steal their pupae. When these new ants hatch, they then work as slaves within the colony. All right. That's like you hear that thing about, uh, like, uh, what is it? The, the, um, is it cuckoos, I think, that do this? Where cuckoos don't have their own nests? Cuckoo birds do this thing where they, which is itself kind of creepy, uh, where cuckoos will take their eggs. Cuckoo's a funny word. Uh, where they will take their eggs and, like, They'll find some other bird, like a robin, and then, like, when the robin is off gathering food, the cuckoos, like, sneak in, like, stash their egg in there, and then the robin comes back and unknowingly raises the cuckoo bird. It's, it's all very strange. Animals are effed, man. It's The whole animal kingdom is just completely unnerving. It's really, unless David Attenborough is there to make it, like, you know, more soothing, the whole thing just terrifies me. Richie, why have you just typed on the screen the word cougars? Oh, no, coo uh, coo no that, the cougar season is over. In terms of sport, anyway. Hmm. Um, all right, here's Tim Riley. So the Cougars will not be back here on The Voice of Sports. Well, not like today. Well, what's uh, Jenna Bush up to, you ask? Well, she thought a phone call might get her in big trouble with Mom and Dad. But Ellen DeGeneres insisted she get in trouble by calling her parents while appearing on the comedian's popular program. Via speakerphone, the audience first heard from First Lady Laura Bush, and then the president got online. She's scared she was going to get in trouble because I just said, is it easy to just pick up the phone and call your dad anytime? She said, yes. And I said, okay, well then. Dad? Yes, baby. Are you mad? No, not at all. Okay, I'm good. To talk to you. See? <laughs> I'm to talk to Ellen. Yeah. 
Well, that's a weird confluence of things because on the one hand, you got to... He's one of his favorite homosexuals. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> um, I was just sort of thinking along those lines, actually. That, that What a weird... So what movie should we rent tonight? <laughs> Jesus, what, what a strange thing that is. So there's Jenna Bush, who is... Um, What's a word like slut, but not um whore. <laughs> that's not the, that's not the word I was thinking of. I was AM nine seventy solid state radio. You understand that, you f whore! Uh I was no. So there's Jenna Bush who is the drunken slut. What? The good time gal. What? The good time gal. <laughs> Sounds like you've had a few. And the best thing is, as as Sarah's saying this, she's popping open a bottle. I think it's just mineral water or whatever. But literally, you go, like, drunken slut! And then tips like a thing that looks like a beer bottle back and like, takes a big swig. Um, well, she's hot uh, in a weird sort of... Dirty way? And she's what my friend Tom would call porn star pretty. Um, is she the puffy one? Yeah. Okay. She looks a lot like uh, adult film star, uh, uh, what's her name? What's her... Uh, uh, Brandy something. Um... Randy in Minnesota can tell you all about that. Um, he uh, he created this. Randy in Minnesota created this whole. Is it Jenna Bush or is it like porn star? What's her name? Brandy Taylor, I think. And it's like a whole lot of like photos of them side by side. Um, so she's kind of hot, but she you get the feeling she's drunk and kind of kind of loose. Uh, and then she's on Ellen's show, which presumably she's a fan of. I mean, is she on there pimping something? Other than her herself? new book and a story, a journey of hope. Well, whatever. Um, and, 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 and she's then, called here a 26-year-old teacher. She's not called a slut or a whore. No. I mean, those are just... But she's a, a teacher? She's, that's what it says here. She's a Well, her mom teacher. was a librarian. She's not a real teacher, well, is she? Today. Her mom killed somebody, you know. I know, but she was a librarian. Wasn't her ex-boyfriend it okay. Yeah. This program, she's gone to hell. We're all going to be taken aback and beaten by the we Secret are. Service. The Secret Service is going to kill us. They're, you know, they're going to find us with one small, clean bullet hole in the back of our heads. Laugh no, funny man. <laughs> Seriously. It's just going to be Dick Cheney putting me into a black bag after this show. Um, no. So, and, and so she's there on the Ellen show, and then she calls her dad, and it's just, and, 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 which is weird. And so you've got to wonder about the audience, too, because, because, uh, because Ellen is, you know, the gay. And so then there's the audience, which presumably, you know... She's not one of those scary homosexuals. No, she's not. Well, no. she has short hair, though. She's oh. acceptable. She's, well... But she does have a pretty girlfriend. That's, that makes the, they don't that's kiss on the true. mouth in public a lot. They only hold hands. One of the good ones. <laughs> they only... They do pecks on the cheek only. Well, she got the, the first lady on the phone first. What are you doing, then? Well, I'm just sitting here with Daddy. Oh, hey! It's Ellen. I wanted oh, to say hi creepy. to Daddy. Yeah, Daddy was... <laughs> What's really creepy about that is how come the phone's okay when she's talking to her mom, and then it starts splitting up when she talks to her dad. Like maybe mom and dad don't live together anymore? It could be. Maybe yeah. dad. There he is. Okay, bye, mom. No, wait. Oh, hi, darling. What, I love you. Where are you going? I, I'm not going anywhere. Hi, dad. You're... Hello, President Bush. How are you? This is the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh, that's great. I, <laughs> I don't know I what you're talking so. about. <laughs> you're going to get a beating later. Uh, it sounds his phone sounds weird. Like maybe Daddy lives at the Mayflower Hotel because maybe of Condoleezza like Rice. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> um, no, it's all so. The audience has got to be feeling really conflicted there because obviously the audience is there, and the you know the the audience I would imagine for Ellen's show is uh, middle of the road, if not pretty progressive, as they now say. 
And yet, there's George Bush. And you know that any number of people in that audience uh, just consider George Bush to be, like, the devil. And, and so, like, you want to applaud? Because it's like, hey, Ellen got the president on the phone, who's, like, you know, the most powerful man on, you know, on the planet. And so on the one hand, you want to go like, hey, yeah, George Bush, look at you, Ellen. On the other hand, you want to be like, ah, George Bush, yeah, you know, like grabbing a pitchfork. So how weird. It's got to be weird for Ellen, too. Oh, boy. You know, and the entire the entire time when Jenna Bush is talking to her dad, don't you just want Ellen to go like, how come I can't get married? You know, that's I mean, that's exactly what I want her totally. to do. I totally want her to ambush him right there in front of everybody. Uh, ambush him verbally, by the way. With her words, because I wish him a long life and the best of health, as we do to all government employees and officials. Um, but, I mean, that's an unscripted moment. You can tell that he clearly doesn't have any handlers with him, just his wife. Uh, and so, you know, I, that, that's exactly where you want Ellen just to jump in with the big point in question, just to, just to hear him scrabble around like a rat inside a habit trail. So, all right. Well, there you go. Like an ant colony without ants. Yes. The point is, Jenna Bush, hot. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, let's do a clergy watch. Oh, well done. Hey, here's your clergy watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Los Angeles, Roman Catholic Cardinal Roger Mahoney was attacked on the street by a man enraged by the church's sex abuse scandal just days after the Los Angeles diocese agreed to make a record payout of more, well, to more than 500 victims. Mahoney, 71, spoke of the July attack at a recent conference of priests and said it gave him a deeper understanding of the suffering endured by the victims of the nationwide scandal. It was just the same thing. Uh, Father Sal Palato, the principal of Junipero Sierra Catholic School in Los Angeles, who heard Mahoney speak at the conference, said the cardinal was dropping off letters at a mailbox near the downtown Los Angeles Cathedral, where he lives. Somebody recognized him and attacked him. It was shocking because it was an act of violence. Yes, it's shocking. Someone we knew and respected. I'm stunned. Yeah. Uh, Mahoney told the priest that the man began showing expletives and knocked him to the ground. It took a month for his injuries to heal after the attack. Yes. Now, I, of course, we do not advocate, endorse, condone, promote, or encourage violence. Violence, as uh, Gerard Way said, don't say it with violence, kids. Um, just uh, grow up and write bad gothic poetry about it. But aren't you amazed that this sort of thing doesn't happen all the time? I mean, have it, aren't you sort of surprised that, like... There hasn't been a rash of people. Just... I've never seen a priest walking around. Maybe they take off their priest suits before they go up. Maybe. Take off take off the collar, put on the Kevlar. Mm -hmm. Because I am really surprised that there hasn't been a whole, like, sleepers-style wave of just uh, guys who just got rogered, uh, you'll pardon the expression, um, the, uh, you know, by a bunch of priests and then just decided when they were older it was time just to sort of settle up that score, you know? Just just you and a gun. And I'm, again, I'm not advocating that, but I am surprised that it hasn't happened. Because, you know, you hear about, like, battered, you know, woman syndrome or battered whatever syndrome, where they just have enough, and they just decide, well, okay, it's just time to time to do what needs to be done here on KCB Portland. Um, and, and yet this seems to be the first time we've heard about a, a priest getting a beatdown from some guy over this the molestation thing. And it, you would just think it would happen all the time. Oh, except for the one that got killed in prison in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, he had it coming, though. Yeah. He really did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was God. God fixed him. All right, uh, there you go. There's your clergy watch uh, for uh, Thursday and the Rick Emerson show. Cause I gotta have
just a few. We'll get to Steve Kastenbaum here in a second, and we'll continue with the news. Coming up later on, Tim Riley's top five songs he hated playing as a DJ. Exciting Morgan Spurlock news. Uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, I Am Legend tickets. Uh, what, oh, we got to play the Kelly Pickler thing. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I can't wait to hear the Kelly Pickler thing. That girl is uh, a whole lot of cute and a whole lot of dumb. No, it's it really is true. Yeah, way. brain like a bag of rocks. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, um, President Bush, that thing whole seems staged. Boy, I can't talk today. That thing seems staged. I mean, it's the middle of the day. What, is, what are he and Laura just sitting around answering the phone for? Doesn't he have, like, <laughs> answering a his own, to run? And answering his own phone. I never really thought about that. I mean, okay, I, I can see answering the own phone because it's, like, in their private residence. But it's, like, that was on at 4 o'clock West Coast. That's uh, 7 o'clock uh, East Coast. But it can't be live. I, I don't. It can't be live, which means it's crap. He, that means it's the middle of the day, and the two of them are sitting around by the fire knitting. <laughs> Wrong. Uh-uh. Didn't what are you happen. doing then? I voted for the man. Okay, I made a mistake. But no, uh-uh, that's crap. Didn't happen. Especially because, like, you know, terror never rests. So you'd, you'd think you'd be hard at work down in, like, the, the situation room, like, spinning a globe and putting, you know, red thumb thumbtacks into a map somewhere and, and saying, like, you know, we got to get that Blackhawk in there or whatever. Rushing out this pronunciation guide on Akminajog. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, on the uh, the priest with the collars, uh-huh. um, back when I used to go to church, uh, um, it was an Episcopalian church, so, you know, kind of a Catholic light kind of a deal. And um, they, uh, the priest told me at one time that, he quit wearing his collar out in public, he says, because he'd be, like, walking through the airport or something and uh, see kids, and mothers would, like, reach over and pull their children closer to them. That's fantastic. So he's just like, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to frighten children. I'm trying to spread the word. And Excellent. So just, you know, that little karma. As ye sow, so shall ye reap. There, there you go. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right, there you go. Uh, somebody just sent me a bunch of swimsuit photos of Jenna Bush. Jenna, boy, God, she's trashy. Oh, man, really? That can't be real. I can't tell if that's underwear or not. All right. Well, no, seriously, I'm just She's thinking. wearing it or not wearing it. I, that's what I'm saying. I, well, whatever. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from, uh, I'm sorry, not from New York City, but from Omaha, Nebraska, uh, where he's there covering uh, that mall shooting that happened, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, uh, I'm actually happy to be listening to your show right now because I could use a little lightheartedness uh, today here. Uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a bad scene. So the um, first of all, let me just make this observation. It is, I am not trying to tell the media how to do their job because I'm basically an idiot. Uh, it, but it does seem it's a tightrope to walk here because um, this guy, this guy who went nuts at this mall and killed these people, it's a creepy story for uh, apart from the obvious, but because he, I guess, was living with a stepmom or a group home or something, and he. Called her at work, and he's like, so uh, it's too late to do anything, and, uh, you know, I'll be famous. Bye. And Or left a note or something. Um, and, and then, of course, now that his picture is splashed all over the media and whatever, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but it does seem like maybe people ought to maybe think twice about putting these guys' pictures next to every story, because that does seem to be a little bit of a motivating factor. There are a lot of people who would agree with that, and, and, and I would suspect in the coming days uh, you'll see a lot of the news agencies pulling back and stop and they'll stop using his uh, photograph, but, you know, the damage is already done. Yeah. It's already out there. And, uh, you know, everything you said was right. He left a suicide note saying uh, he didn't want to be a burden to anyone anymore. He was sorry for everything, but uh, that he this uh, something was about to make him famous. Uh, he did leave a voicemail for his mother, even though he uh, was kicked out of the house uh, about a year ago or so. 
he stopped by some friend's uh, house and had a conversation with the guy before going to the mall. He left some text messages for the ex-girlfriend who broke up with him recently. He recently lost a job. He'd been uh, in foster care, had uh, had some run-ins with the law, uh, was in a, a group home for teens with uh, psychiatric needs. He's had a really uh, checkered past and, and had some problems as well. And, uh, you know, whether or not we should have seen the, the warning signs coming in this case, it's hard to say because he had been getting a lot of help along the way here. Uh, the, the woman who uh, took him in, a family friend, let him live in a, a room in the house, said, you know, sure he had his problems and, and he w- was pretty much without uh, direction in life, but she had no inclination that he was about to do something like this, which is kind of interesting because she said just the other day uh, he showed her the AK-47, so I don't know. Oh, really? He, honestly? Yeah. Where did... Uh, he was, what, 20? 19. 19. Here's a dumb question. I mean, I know it's, you know, the wild, the woolly territory of Nebraska, but where does one get... An AK-47. Well, apparently he stole it from his stepfather. It was a rifle belonging to his stepfather. They're researching whether or not it was bought legally. But, you know, you know, outside of Omaha, I mean, Omaha's not... Uh, he owned it for hunting, I'm sure. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Omaha is by no means uh, rural. You know, it's a pretty big city here and pretty modern. But uh, it doesn't take uh, a, a far drive to, to get out of here and get into areas where people do like to own rifles and do like to hunt or, or take target practice, even if that's all they have the rifles for. And so it is It is pretty, uh, I don't want to say very commonplace, but it's not unusual at all for people to own rifles, even if it's just for, for having target practice out in the back of the house, you know. And I'm certainly not an anti-gun guy by any means, but it does, and I don't mean to be getting ahead of ourselves here, but if this is, and I'm, I'm not suggesting this is the case, because it sounds like we don't know, but in theory, you know, if there's some guy who just leaves a gun around unattended, and then somebody gets a hold of it and commits a crime, you know, is the guy who left the gun laying around on the hook? You know, I would have to say you'll find a lot of people who would agree with you on that and, and that uh, the person who owned the rifle uh, is bears some of the responsibility here by not uh, keeping it uh, w- w- within uh, check, you know. And uh, you're sure to hear arguments like that uh, here within the coming days and weeks. Right? i gotta, I got to tell you, there was a, not, to, not to be morbid about this, but I just – you do sort of wonder. There was, a, there was a weird – there was a PSA that ran on TV a long time ago, and it was something about like – I don't know, bipolar illness or something, some some like weird, you know, some like something, some psychosis or whatever. And it was like, you know, the, you you know, you never realize how many people have bipolar syndrome. And it was and the ad showed it was like a busy like New York City street or whatever. And like they did a freeze frame. And then they like of the hundred people on the screen, like nine of them turned purple or something. <laughs> and it was like, you know, you'll never know the people, you know, the, the, unless, you know, if they're afraid to tell you, you may never know that your friend is bipolar or something like that. And I've often thought about the, if you for one day could somehow just magically see the people who are, who, who are just, just heading for that breakdown. You know, they're just heading for right. the snapping point. And I think it would really unnerve people if they could probably see on a given day how many people you pass in the street who are like one bad day away from just going and, you know, get, getting a hacksaw. And it's just freaky. I was going to ask you, but were any of those people who turned purple in that public service announcement, were any of them my grandmothers? Because sometimes <laughs> she just goes off. Sometimes, as I say, just, just wait, waiting for that one bad thing that's just going to turn. That is, as Sam Kinison famously said, uh, he talked about um, he talked about meeting women at the Rainbow Bar and Grill in L.A. And he talked about meeting women who, as he put it, were just one day away from a nervous breakdown and looking for a guy to blame their whole miserable life on. And, you know, and yeah. there's all manner of people like that. Um, well, I'm but, not, you know, it, it's really sad here. I mean, the, people are still walking around just stunned and, and, and very much angered, you know, because 
this is about as middle America as it gets here in Omaha, you know, and and this is the last place anybody expected something like this to happen, you know, life here pretty much goes on uh, without any major events at all to disrupt the happiness in this city. You know, I, it's a it's pretty calm, quiet, nice lifestyle here. So, as you can imagine, a lot of very just stunned and, and angered and saddened people here today. I, I think Stephen King once said that ever since Lee Harvey Oswald, um, that the the lone crazed bitter loner, you know, with a gun has be, has been the great American boogeyman. Um, you know, the, the guy with a gun who just snaps has been, he is the looming specter, uh, you know, in, in the American uh, is psyche. You know, and it's really interesting. I, I did a live report on a radio station in New Zealand about this, and they asked the question, basically, you know, what's going on in America? Why do we keep hearing about these shootings? And, you know, you want to get defensive about it when you're an American talking on a, on a radio station in another country, but, you know, looking from outside within to the U.S., you, you really do have to ask, what's going on here? Oh, no, man, uh, Americans are crazy. There's just no getting around that yeah. uh, in any number of ways, not just in this way. I mean, and, uh, you know, I forget who said this, but, you know, that I, we go a little crazy sometimes, and maybe our craziness is part of our greatness. Uh, you know, but there is definitely a sort of weird, twisted bent to it sometimes. I and mean, you get things like uh, like this, which, as the cliche goes, are sometimes the result of living in a weird, crazily free society. Sometimes I, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to dwell on this a whole lot. A, because I know you're sick of talking about it. And B, because uh, as Tim said, you know, I'm not even going to use the guy's name because you know, whatever. You know, yeah, I, there's I, really I'm, no point. I'm just I mean, not going to, I'm not going to do it. And um, I, I did want to, um, I do want to ask you this, just to, to maybe put a little bit of a smile on your face. Is it true? That you are on a Canadian television station as part of a music special about Britney Spears. <laughs> wow, word word travels. Yeah, I was on uh, Fuse TV, although we taped it in New York, and they have their studios here in New York. So I don't know if it's just Canadian owned or 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 what. But um, uh, I, I was under the impression that it was an American channel. Remember what MTV used to be when MTV was cool? Yeah, that's sort of what Fuse TV is now. Fuse is Canadian. It's it used to be much music. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, they they have a series running now called uh, "Videos That Rock the World," and and I was one of about uh, two dozen people who were commenting on uh, uh, what's it called? Hit me one more time. Yeah, yeah, the, the schoolgirl video. And then uh, tomorrow night, or actually no, tonight, tonight you're gonna you're gonna see me again. Uh, if you if you want to watch it, you'll see me talking about Alanis Morissette. And uh, you want to know. Okay, so this is called Videos That Rocked the World? Yes. Videos That Rocked the World on, on Fuse, Fuse TV. Which we do get here in Portland. Uh, videos That Rocked the World. I'm going to TV all that. I'm going to go online and TV all that right now. You know, TV's a funny thing. I thought I was really energetic when I was talking about this uh -huh. and, and really uh, animated. And I watched myself and thought, man, why am I so sedate? <laughs> hey, you know, let me tell you, at least you didn't wear a big white shirt when you were interviewed, which is the one time I was on the O'Reilly Factor. I wore, like, a big white shirt. So I just looked like a big, pasty, floating, fat head. Yeah, but you know what I did? I did the radio DJ thing, and I had on, a, like, a, a zipper mock turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of radio well, guys do well that. Well done. Well, you should ask Sarah next time. You just need to I really should have. I really should have consulted with Sarah uh, and what I could have done to make myself look cool while while not sacrificing my journalistic integrity. Yeah, no, I totally feel you on the whole. You think that you're being over the top cheese ball, and you're like, oh, I'm so animated and great, and then you look at yourself and you look like a zombie. Because they always put you back to back with some guy who just came from the comedy store, like he just did a right. set at the Chuckle Hutch. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And and, and, and yeah, and, and plus these artist types who are like the people who produce the videos. Uh huh. So you know they sound all like you know they're waxing poetic. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then I come on and start talking, and it's yeah, it's it's an interesting juxtaposition. All right, well, my friend, we we will all be watching that uh, tonight to to see your lovely yeah, visage on our television. Please do. And by the way, it's lovely to be in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, during a snowstorm. By can the way. I? Oh, oh, by the way, and so that sucks. And then can I also ask you this? Uh, just I have to ask this out of curiosity. This mall, is there a radio station in this mall? I'm not 100% sure. There's a possibility that there is, uh, but I, I don't know. Because uh, I was telling the story earlier. Um, some years ago, I was working at a radio station in Washington, deeply unhappy, hated my boss, hated my life, hated everything. And I answered a blind box ad in R&R Magazine. And it turned out that it was, a uh, at that time, a rock station that broadcast out of an Omaha mall. And the guy offered me the job over the phone, sight unseen. Uh, and I, I was about three hours away from taking the job when I... It just by coincidence got a much better job offer that same day, and I was like, okay, I'll take. It. And I went, ended up going to, to Salt Lake City, which was a big jump up at the time. And um, but but I was literally about three hours away from from quitting my job and moving to do mornings on a rock station in a mall at in Omaha, Nebraska. So. Uh, you know what? If I if the mall reopens uh, tomorrow, which which I doubt it will, but if it does, I'll I'll uh, take a look inside and see yeah. see if that's the case. Yeah. By the way, I, your show is one of the only shows that I can get on and talk about. You know what's going on behind the scenes here. Mm -hmm. So so last night, you know uh, everybody mobilized the troops, you know, to get out here for coverage this morning, and there were very few direct flights uh, from New York to Omaha, Nebraska. So I get to Newark Airport, and it's the entire morning team for uh, for uh, American Morning from CNN. You know, a bunch of producers yeah. and 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 behind the scenes staff, as well as the entire Fox, you know, uh, crew right. were on the same flight. So so of course you got the, these two competing entities on the same plane, and then there were crews uh, and, and reporters from uh, CBS, and uh, and all I could think was. Man, it would be really bad if this plane went down. <laughs> <laughs> That's like how they don't put the president and the Congress on the same plane ever. Exactly. You lose the entire system of government all at once. All right, my friend, we'll keep your uh, keep your head up, as they say. And uh, sorry about the the weather and the and the everything uh, there. And we will uh, we will talk to you in the near future. Are you there for a day or two, or are you heading home? I'm sure I'll be here through tomorrow, uh, most of the day. Uh, so right. uh, we'll be... yeah, we'll be um, we'll be getting out there again tomorrow. Today it was just a blinding snowstorm, so you know the the. Uh, most of the folks stayed indoors, but the, the snow stopped. So tomorrow we expect to see a lot of uh, a lot of um, memorial services going on, and, and we'll probably hear from the uh, relatives of the victims, unfortunately. All right. Well, uh, stay warm, and uh, we will talk to you in the uh, near future, my friend. Thank you. All right. Steve Kastamon, ladies and gentlemen, in Omaha, Nebraska. There you go. Let's do this call, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, oh, hail the beautiful Sarah, but still, um, but, uh, two things. Uh, number uh -huh. one, did anyone hear... Uh, the uh, the standard question of may we put you on the air uh, with Bush? Oh, good catch! No, sir. that's true. So it was probably uh, pre-taped. Exactly well, the show isn't. I mean, but even if it wasn't planned, I don't think they would have to do that because the show is not broadcast live. So they they could technically do the call because mm. Bush isn't going to sue anybody. It's not like George Bush is going to like I'm suing you for putting me on the. I mean, and it's well, his daughter calling. Past... No, it's I his don't. daughter. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't staged, but I don't think that's a dead giveaway because it's not a live show, and it's only rec you only have to get the permission if you are putting them on the air live, uh, if they are being broadcast live. And if it was, you know, that they taped that show, I think earlier in the day. So actually, you still wouldn't need his permission. You would need his permission after the fact before the show is broadcast. But but, but but it's a good point, and it, it does still seem a little faux, you know. And and as that guy earlier noticed, like what, 
What is he just sitting around at like noon answering that somebody guy said he was watching Wheel? But I mean, it's just sitting around just answering the phone. Well, I could lead the free world or I could sit here in a chair for no readily apparent reason and stare blankly into the middle distance. It doesn't seem to be too much of a stretch, though, does it? No, it really doesn't, sadly. But... Thank you. All right, there you go. That's that guy. I, uh, let's see. Oh, what am I doing? I guess we're done. All yeah. right. Um, well, I was going to say this Morgan uh, Spurlock thing, but I'll wait until Tim is back in here. Um, I'll read an email, one amusing, one creepy, and then we'll break. Let's see. Where's the creepy one? Uh, let's see. Rick. Oh, you want to hear the creepy one or the funny one first? Creepy. Rick, you just asked something along the lines of, hey, isn't it scary that according to that PSA, there are dozens of people who could snap at any minute right there? Rick, it's at least as scary to be one of those nine people. I'm just saying. And, Rick, is it just me or is there a faint hint of Krusty the Clown whenever Richie laughs? And there is. I totally never thought about it until this email. Uh, listening to the podcast, he is laughing uncomfortably about his cologne situation. I really hear a crint of, uh, a crint, a hint of Krusty there. And he says, uh, I'm just saying, later. So there you go. No, it really is true. The next time Richie laughs, you really will, you, you will hear some Krusty the Clown on that. Uh, hey, hey, Richie, speaking of, uh, you, here's what we're going to do right now. Uh, we are going to take a, a caller, uh, number five right now. We'll just do it off the air. Uh, but we got a pair of passes for you to see I Am Legend when it premieres on Monday. Uh, that is a pair of passes to I Am Legend, as well as a pair of passes to the Portland uh, Motorcycle Show, which is happening at the Expo Center. Uh, you do have to pay for your own parking there, but the passes are free. And, of course, uh, like six bucks. it's like $6. Uh, but a pair of passes to Portland Motorcycle Show, and then that comes with a pair of passes to see I Am Legend uh, this coming Monday night. So uh, caller 5 at 503-733-2970. Let's take a break here. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, coming up, we got the top five. Later on, James Roop. Uh, we got to play this Kelly Pickler thing uh, as well. Uh, you stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Radio program. Uh, it's 503-733-297. I was just saying this is my favorite music band. Of all the bumpers we played currently, this is my favorite. I mean, as far as the ones that come back and break. All right. You stay, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm reading a thing off the screen. I'm doing that thing where you look at the screen says, no, 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 no. stay watching the Steve Castro bump appears. All right, can okay. we watch it now? So I've got the, uh, hold on a second. Uh, okay, I've so, only seen Steve, uh, Steven Still Life. I want to see him in like moving. Um, so this is from Fuse.tv. We can all gather around the. See, this is just for that guy who complains that we're doing too many visual things lately. We're not going to watch TV. Uh, so uh, this is videos that rocked the world, which airs uh, weeknights at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I guess. Well, whatever. Uh, it, December 7th. So what is today? The third, ninth, seventh. Okay, so today, tomorrow. Uh, so, but you can watch this at Fuse.tv. So this is uh, the, 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 the Britney Spears one. So this is, I guess, Steve Kastenbaum and others talking about Britney Spears. Uh, hopefully this will... Uh... Poor Britney. The girl can't go anywhere without cameras following her. Oh, my God. Okay, let's back up there. He's the first one out of the gate. I guess he doesn't have a face for radio. No. 
I, that doesn't look anything like I thought Steve would. What I would think he'd look and like. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of him, so I have like I've no seen template. Pictures of him, but he looks a lot younger in this. Could be the lighting. Tim, in your professional opinion, is it, how much of this is makeup that we're looking at? He looks naturally flushed. He does. Yeah. He does. He has a. Uh, he has. And, a, and he must be thin since the television camera adds pounds to anyone. Mm-hmm. It does. He looks on TV like I look in real life. Um, so uh, just. You know, and he was making fun of his, like, zip-up mock turtle. Like, you know, it's fine. It oh, works for him. It looks great. And he's got the cool black background going on there. All right, let's do it. All right, so this is Steve Kastenbaum on Fuse TV talking about uh, Britney Spears. Poor Britney. The girl can't go anywhere without cameras following her. She's judged in a way that nobody else is judged today. She's on the cover of every magazine every single week. She is a poster child for tabloid TV and tabloid journalism. They feast on people like Britney. Her life is totally in disarray. We always seem to catch her behind the wheel of the car. One of the things that is very evident is she's not a good driver. Her contract with America is just to give us something new to talk about every day. Okay, so tomorrow, he's on other ones too, so tomorrow we have to, we have to ask him. Uh, everything there is to know about this. Like, I want to know, uh, I mean, how... Because these shows where they they just talk about pop code, like, best week ever and stuff, where they talk... Man, how awesome would that be to be on one of those shows? And you always wonder, like... How they get picked? And those shows are always great and bad at the same time. Because you always... They'll have some funny guy commenting on, you know, Britney Spears... And you always want to hear more from some of them and less from others. I hate the assessments from the, like... Like the hip, you know, edgy, like early 30 something, like women yeah. who have all the highlights in the hair. Like, well, this is what exactly is going on in Britney's mind. I hate that, that yeah. way of speaking. Um, and, uh, and the, um, I don't know, it's just so, it, 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 we've it reached this point in American production of television where everything is so edited. And of course, no one ever gets more than one sentence out before they cut to something else. And so I wonder, like, for those, like, three sound bites, how long do they interview Steve Kastenbaum to get that nine seconds of audio? Uh, let's see. Uh, there's one more here, actually. Let's see here. Um, uh, 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 uh. So this, I think, is Cast and Bomb. This is Kim Kalman. I don't know who that is. Nigel Dick, who is a photographer and video maker. <gasps> Nigel, world-renowned photographer from America's Next Top Model. Uh-huh. And Steve Cast and Bomb talking about the ideas that Britney wanted for her video. So you will hear among three voices, one of them Steve Cast and Bomb. Oh, this is about the baby one more time. Uh, they're talking about the baby one more time video. I'm going to let this uh, buffer. Buffer? Yeah, I was waiting for that. Thank you. All right. The video was extremely important in creating that star persona. You know, she's much larger than anybody they would allow on American television. <laughs> they wouldn't let somebody of that size on American TV. That very brazen, very powerful, very young girl that was going to rock the world. I get on the phone and Brittany says, you know, I want to make a video where I'm in a school with a bunch of hot guys. That's it? (laughs) Okay. This was her first opportunity to take charge and say, this is who I am and this is what I want people to think of when they see Britney Spears. The idea was simply that Britney was going to be a schoolgirl. So these are all shot at the same time. Yeah, I think so, because it's the same background, same whatever. And I think the deal with those shows is that they show you a clip on some of them, and then, because on some of those, like, uh, I Love the 80s shows, you can see them, it's edited so they start talking, 
and sometimes it's edited, and you can just see them turning back away from the monitor to the camera. Uh, and you can tell that they were just shown the clip of whatever it is, you know. So they're like, you know, hey, Patton Oswalt, watch this He-Man cartoon from the 1980s, then talk about it. And, and you'll see him, like, turning his head back, and you can tell he's actually just been shown the whatever. Actually, Patton Oswalt said that for some of those, like, he did Best Week Ever for a while. And he said that they would, um, is this mic on? It was. How odd. Now it's not, no. Oh, because we were I standing here. And he said that they would give you a folder a week in advance and tell you what celebrities they were going to make fun of so you had time to write your jokes. So you, oh, you get to write your own joke. Yeah, well, well he's good. Uh, he actually tells a really funny story about being fired off Best Week Ever because of a Paris Hilton joke they wouldn't let him say. Uh, should I say it? Yes. yes. Okay. Patton Oswalt, who's a hilarious guy, he really is. Sort of like a he, he is like a. Are you still regretting the interview? I'm not because at the time I didn't know who he was and I would have been faking it. I would have been posing. Um, and I think he's. I've been told since then his his interviews are pretty bad because he's so burnt out because he did that Pixar film and so every radio show in the country was talking to him and he's all burned out but he tells this funny story about the day he quit uh, Amer uh, 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 best week ever because he says they give you the jokes a week in advance and so you can write the whatever so you can write you know like like let's show a picture of fat courtney love or whatever and you so you can write like courtney loves cupcakes <laughs> or whatever and he said that he got so sick of having to talk about paris hilton because he just hates her and he just loathes paris hilton and he said at one point he had written this whole segment where he rants about Paris Hilton, and he says, I hate Paris. I hope Paris gets cancer of the AIDS, <laughs> which is really great and mean, and just like a word combination that you have never thought of before, but which is just so fantastically horrible. And he said, though, they're like, no, no, you can't say that. He's like, that's my best joke. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't say it. And so he just quit. He was just like, F this. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, he is your new God. He is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So they might open one lane each way of I-5 tonight, but it's only going to be for trucks. So don't ask me if there's <laughs> going to be a... truck month on uh, I-5? <laughs> there might be a truck monitor there. True. So if you want to smuggle your wife in the back, wow. a little companionship with a long trip, take your chance. Because the, the, the truck police will be there. <laughs> Well, apparently, 10,000 trucks a day, don't ask me where they get these figures, because they make them up. Uh, 10,000 trucks a day normally pass Chehalis on I-5, and it costs an extra $400 to make the 270-mile detour around Yakima. A $4 million estimate doesn't begin to cover damage or spoiled goods, lost sales, or empty shells. This is disruptive for the entire economic system from California to Alaska, say those in the know. Uh, by the way, Yakima, uh, birthplace of... Uh... Birthplace of one Samuel Kinnison. AM 970, solid state radio. You understand that, you f Here's Tim Riley. You think this would be self-explanatory. But I must let you know that Oregon State Park campgrounds in the North Oregon coast will be closed. <laughs> really? Until at least December 17th. They could leave them open and just have them be much more exciting. They have suffered an as yet undetermined amount of damage. <laughs> like, that's a big priority. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder, yeah, if right into was, it. I wonder if anybody was in these campgrounds camping uh, I, at the time. Well, I don't know. I mean, how? Here's a dumb how question. How would they find them? I was just going to say, but this wasn't like a flash flood. No. In, in other words, this wasn't like where, where one minute you were fine and the next minute, holy God! It I, might have been in some place. Uh, you do wonder, like you, like you all see that St. Helens footage, and there's always like, and they'll always interview a guy whose face has been burned off, and it's like a lot of, well, we were camping, and then uh, I heard kind of a rumbling sound, and I looked up and. Uh, 
I've seen the wall of magma come down. And then they have like an art, like a bad artist, like a CGI thing of like, like his little tent and then a wall of lava, like <laughs> gone. And you wonder if this was that or if you were camping, if you had time to say like, hey, let's pack up and go somewhere else. Well, people never expect to be hurt. No, they don't. And they always think only paranoid people do it. They're never hurt. No. They hoard toilet paper for nothing as, all the time. As Andrew Grove says, only the paranoid survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, and you're right, because you always think it, it won't happen to me. And then the next this thing you know, is America. People are here to take care of me. Swept into a river and battered by logs. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so I guess if you stayed, you had it coming. Well, it's like that lady, I was uh, reading these articles about these people with the farm sex in Chehalis, and they were the saying... The farm sex in Chehalis? Farms in oh, Chehalis. Okay. What do you think about? I thought you said these people about the farm sex in Chehalis. Yeah, nobody else heard that. No. So these people who have farms in Chehalis <laughs> went to bed, heard the cows mooing, and then they didn't hear the cows mooing, mooing anymore. Oh, are you kidding me? No. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. So there are pictures of upside down oh, cows on the Oh, that's so, look at. that's so creepy. I like cows. I feel bad when things happen to cows. And they're so heavy. What can you do with it? You can't put them in the attic. <laughs> Especially if you have 200 of them. What are you supposed to do with cows <laughs> in an emergency? The, the grain, I never thought about it. And cows can't swim, can they? No. They're too big. Can horses swim? Well, I can't imagine horses swim well, either. Well, can somebody... join twins be connected by the hair? Shut up! If, if somebody spent time teaching cows to swim, <laughs> it's not that they're unteachable. You know, cows it's just can... that it's never been attempted. Well, you know, the, the cows can walk upstairs but not down. So, you know. Um, so that explains why people didn't put them in, in the attic. But I wonder if cows... I cannot believe we're having these conversations, but, but I, I like cows. I think cows are like horses and well, they're dogs. Homeless creatures, well, we have sort of anthropomorphized cows, I think, over time. Because they've been, I think cows have been used so often in cartoons and as mascots and on products. And they, you've seen so many commercials where a cow is talking to you going like, buy some milk. And so as a result, I think we look at cows and we sort of view them as kind of like dogs. They're sort of like an honorary part of the human community. Mm-hmm. I wonder if cows float because they're kind of big and fat. So I wonder if maybe they, maybe they would float. I would imagine so. Well, I guess not, though, because you said they're all dead. Yeah. And you're really well, right. Well, they were inside a fence. And this is, oh, really? Also, know to swim, too. And yeah. this is a thing you said, actually, that you don't really think about uh, until Tim says it, and then you realize how true it is. What? You can't carry cows into the attic. No, you can't. I mean, that's just really true. What options do you have that's just, with cows in an emergency? That is just some truth, is what that is. You know, what can, you know, deer can swim. So maybe cows and horses can swim, because deer can. Deer are pretty fast, though. Yeah, but I mean, in the water. I mean, they run at the slightest provocation. But I mean, how can? But how is that possible? Deer can. I almost said deers. Deer can swim. But now that I think about it, how can they? Because they don't have um, like they can't do like humans do and spread like their hands. Paddle? You know, humans can sort of spread their hands and and sort of you know make them cup your hands to make sort of like rudimentary fins. But deer can't do that. They have hooves. So how is it that possible that deer can swim? This is fascinating to me. And no one else. All right. They're uh, able to run 40 miles an hour, jump nine-foot fences, and swim 13 miles an hour. See, that's insane. How are deer able to swim if they don't have fins or or spreadable appendages? Let's see here. Well, they can in uh, Wisconsin. Well, do- well, dogs can swim, too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. Well, but, you know, the creepiest thing was you said they heard the cows mooing, and then the cows were quiet. Yes. That's the creepiest thing. Because you know what that reminds me of? That's like Jeff Daniels in Arachnophobia. When he's going, I haven't heard any crickets at Kanaiman in a long time. 
That's totally what that is. Well, cows never have anything to say anyway. You can't expect much out of a cow. Stupid cows. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, by the way, this email says, Rick, I, too, am, uh, am a big fan of the song you came out of the last break with. I would really like to know from what album... Extra preposition alarm. Um, I would like to know from what album it comes from. From. Uh, consider it a trade for directing you to the German forklift video that I sent a while back. Glorious Bastard Man. Um, that is a uh, DJ uh, named... Uh, his name is RJD2. Uh, he also does, by the way, he does the uh, sort of electronic version of that Mad Men theme. On mm. the Mad Men soundtrack, he does the final track. It's sort of like an electronic version of the Mad Men theme. That's a, a DJ named RJD2, um, and he produced an album called Magnificent City uh, with a, a, a rapper um, who I believe is named AC Alone, AC Alone, something like that. Um, anyway, the album is called Magnificent City, and there is an instrumental version. It's just called Magnificent City Instrumentals, and that's where that is from. Great piece of music. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. I love cows. So let's uh, revisit the story we had earlier. The father of a 20-year-old man who drowned in the Gibble Creek. Gibble. Mm -hmm. Gibbles really? and bits. Uh, told relatives that the man was hiding from police when he lost his son to the storm-swollen current. Now, this comes to us from the victim's fiance, who was mm -hmm. seven weeks pregnant. Of course. Kenneth Boyd Carver, 46, and his son Joshua Jesus. Wiley Carver, not, jumped into the creek. So wily now. Jumped into the creek to hire from the police after stealing a pickup truck. That, according to Denial Funk, who's 18. What is going on in this story? Her name is Denial. D A W N Y A L. You know, it's Denial. Not a river in India or Egypt or wherever the hell it is. What is that phrase they say in every movie? Whatever. Go ahead. So, uh, Denial Funk, who's seven weeks pregnant. Denial Funk. With uh, Joshua Wiley Carver's child, uh, have this to say. Uh, Kenneth Carver arrived at her house at 7.30 a.m. Tuesday and told her he lost his son in the Swift River. He told her they uh, maneuvered downstream about a half mile, trying to obey deputies who searched dogs, but they encountered a brush-choked section of the creek. Uh, Kenneth Carver said he was pulled under the water and couldn't find Joshua. The father initially told police he had last seen his son partying with others the night before. He was afraid he was going back to prison. And wouldn't you know, he is. <laughs> it's like that story the other day where that woman named Letty Tiswell. That's mm -hmm. exactly what I'm thinking of in this. Uh, so he has felony convictions, burglary, theft, auto theft, possession of controlled substances, and many, many other things. He's been arrested more than 50 times since 1980. And he's been a resident of Clackamas County. Of course. He'll be missed. Let's put a fence around that place. And you know, did you know that elephant can swim? Elephants? Now I'm paranoid. I don't know what's plural and what's not. Hmm. Did you know the plural of ninjas is ninja? No, that no. doesn't make any sense. The plural of ninja is ninja. You know what I'm saying. This guy said elephants are very good swimmers and swim between islands in Southeast Asia. That's just freaky. See, elephants shouldn't be able to swim. I mean, I can't, I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to. I'm saying it doesn't seem possible. You've never seen swimming elephants? When, when have you seen a swimming elephant? At a zoo. That's a lie. It you have never lie. seen an elephant swimming at a zoo. What zoo? I have seen an elephant what swim. What zoo? What zoo? <laughs> a zoo when I was younger. What? This in Canada? I think it was the Woodland Park Zoo. The made-up zoo in I think it on was Sugar the zoo Plum in Lane. California. You know what? I just find it hard the, to believe the that wild you, rapid zoo. <laughs> that your little pea brain cannot think that an elephant can swim. They're bendy. <laughs> oh. Okay, Marlon Perkins. Elephants are bendy, and cows can't hide in your attic. I don't know. I I'm finding a YouTube video right now of an elephant swimming. Okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I've got some info about cows and deer and, well, I guess you and elephants. 
Uh, elephants and cows both have quite a bit of fat on their bodies, so that's how they can float. Okay, so they, so so that makes sense actually. So they have fat, which keeps them buoyant. Right. All right. And deer and cows and everything basically swim like a dog, doggy paddling. God, just sent me a picture of a deer sitting in a child's wading pool. That is just adorable. I almost ran over a deer with a boat. Really? That's really odd. Yeah. Uh, it was a buck. I saw what looked like a stick. I'm like, oh, I better avoid that. Holy crap, it's a buck. Uh, John Krakauer, who wrote uh, Into Thin Air and Into the Wild, uh, in, right. Into the Wild, he tells a really unnerving story about going to Alaska and crossing a river in a boat and seeing these glowing red eyes. It's at night, and he's seeing these glowing red eyes looking up from the river at him, and it's a deer that was just crossing the river. And he's, you know, I had, yeah, I had no idea. So that's glowing red eyes. Boy, that's a lovely image. Yeah, really, exactly. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Okay, you ready? Yes. yes. Is this a, an elephant swimming video? Yes. Am I supposed to come watch it? Like, yeah, you have to come watch it. Let's watch more TV. All right. And All this right. one doesn't even have any audio, so it's going to be extra fun. We should watch a full-length movie later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, ready? What is this? It's an elephant swimming. Oh, that is creepy. You have to post that. Well, how is that creepy? It's because you, I have never seen an elephant <laughs> There's underwater. There's lots of them. I've only ever seen images of them underwater. Oh, I don't believe this. This is a car commercial. <laughs> okay, look. Elephants swimming. Here, I'll just click on another That's a one. commercial for Jeep. So you think the Jeep's trying to sell you fake elephants swimming? Just saying, I know. I don't believe anything What about seen. Sally Train's zoo elephants? I mean... I don't believe anybody has really ever seen elephants. What is wrong with you? I, wh- How are you like? What are you assessing this on? I'm saying nature shows only ever show them on the plains or whatever, like eating grass, and, like stomping around. I don't ever. Uh, I don't ever recall. I'm just saying. I and there's never someone riding a swimming elephant. In this yeah. I mean, I've seen them cross little streams, but I don't ever recall seeing like an elephant in. Maybe it's like water. a really fat people can float. You know. And, then just, and you're actually waddling your arms to sort of display no, not, how that works. But I'm saying, you know, like, it's not making sense to you because they're so big, but it's like, well, yeah, they're big. They're big and fatty, but... Yeah, I guess. They're swimming. I know the people can come I've just embraced it. Let's do a couple. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I uh, run a dairy down by the Willamette River, and one of my cows got out one time, and I it swam across the Willamette, and then I had to get a boat and go over and chase it out of the woods, and then get it and it swam back across. So I know from first-hand experience, they can't swim. And they can also go up and down stairs. And I heard somebody say that they can't do that. Maybe it's they goats then. Can. There's some animal that can walk upstairs, but that, it can't go down. Maybe it's goats. Well, they don't do it very gracefully, but they can do it. Well, if you have a gun. Yeah. All right, thank you. Bye. Uh, this email just says, Dear Rick, dumb, dumb, dumbity dumb. Thank you. Despite the uh, well, let's do uh, a couple more here, then we'll break, and we'll come back with James Roof. Well, Microsoft has quickly shut down Santa Claus's web privileges after it found out the automated outfit created for instant messaging for the kids was talking naughty and not nice. Microsoft's holiday cheer soured this week when a reader of a U.K. technology site reported that a chat between Santa and his underage nieces about eating pizza prompted Santa to bring oral sex. Wait, wait. Let's stop now. Yes. What? I, I understand, but I mean, was this an automated Santa? Yes. It yes. wasn't like a person on a chat line. No, it's an automated Santa. So people would a go to chat Microsoft. between Santa and his underage nieces about eating pizza prompted Santa to bring up oral sex. In what? Does it have the, the, the actual transcript? It doesn't here. Uh, let's see here. Why would that what even are the, be... What are the... 
after declining the writer's repeated invitations to eat pizza, a frustrated center burst out with, You want me to eat what? It's fun to talk about oral sex, but I want to chat about something else. The exchange ended with the writer and Santa calling each other, quote, a dirty bastard, unquote. Ho, <laughs> <laughs> oh, ho. Oh. Um, all right. I, uh, that ended, that ended, that was sort of like an ending, and then bam, another secret ending right after it. Mm. Fantastic. Why would that even be in the software? I know we should give Sam a look, just in case somebody asks about, uh, I don't use anything sex. Microsoft, so. Oh, I, I don't know. No, I guess not. Um, Did you get this email from Aaron? No. Elephants can totally swim, you idiot. Just watch the Discovery Channel for more than 20 minutes. Remember the next time you go to nature, elephants can swim, ants can survive, 30,000 volts, and octopi are learning to walk on land. Thanks. Hi. Let's let me read another ant fact here in a second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. 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 Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. Uh, elephants. I'm sorry. Um, oxen, cows can swim. If you uh, remember the Oregon Trail, there was all kinds of rivers and <sighs> yeah. Stuff like that. Had to, they had to stoke their little, uh, you know, the the covered wagons in in tar or whatever, and then they had to kind of kick the cows into the river <laughs> and hope they floated. I'm sorry. I I always died of dysentery. <laughs> All right. I love that game. Bye now. All right. All right, there you go. Did somebody just hear... Is that what? Tim? What's happening? Know. Am I losing my mind? Barb sex. What? What? Santa would like to speak with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why would the Microsoft program even be programmed to have Santa discussing oral sex? Like, what... For what use did they see? I mean, when did the... All right. Uh, let's see here. I don't use the contraption. I couldn't I, tell you. Yeah, I know. I just... Uh, all right. Um, let's see. Um, looking for other creepy ant facts. Really, there's just nothing, you know. They, they have two stomachs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's no... There's really... Uh... Oh, this is... Okay, this is creepy. I already knew this one, but this one's kind of creepy. Where it says, some ants care for and, quote, farm end quote, other insects. I did actually know that. So not only do you have the weird slave maker ants, which go and steal the, the steal the children. Steal the young while their parents are sleeping. They steal the children of other ants and raise them to be their slave. I will create an army of insectoid supermen with which I will rule the world. Uh, there's that. And then did you know that some ants, uh, ants are fascinating to me. And my wife and I kind of we don't fight about ants because that would be stupid. But we do every year. She wants to exterminate all the ants in front of our house. And every year I want to like leave them alone because they're fascinating to me because they're so intelligent. Did you know that some ants will uh, go out and corral and keep herds of aphids and milk them just like we keep cows and milk them? Mm. They're industrious. But I'm, doesn't that terrify anybody but me? Yes. Yes, Tim and I are quaking in fear. Okay, listen to me now. Somewhere in California, there's a gorilla that can speak English. And ants keep herds of aphids and milk them, just like we keep herds of cows and milk them. That doesn't terrify anybody. That ants are basically a tiny version of us, but much stronger and getting stronger by the day. Did you know that elephants use their trunks as snorkels? Well, yeah. 
Well, that's obvious. They I mean, can be submerged and use their trunks as their breathing holes. Well, yeah. It's a nose. I mean, I, I mean... Well, that's obvious. You didn't think that elephants could swim five minutes ago. I know that they can breathe. I'm not completely daft. Oh, God. Somebody has an elephant joke. All right. Wait. Hold on. Let me just... Oh, fine. All right. Hello, sir. Is this an elephant joke? No, it's not a joke. I ju I just suggested to uh, the screener. I said, if elephants can't swim, how come they always show Brittany in a bathing suit at the in the tabloids and stuff when she's at a pool or at the beach? Yeah. And as far as aphids, you can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> well, okay. His, the first half of that call was crap because brevity is the soul of wit, and he kind of just was. It's all over the place, and it took him about 40 words to say what he could have said in three. But then that whole thing about milking anything with nipples, that that was funny. That redeemed the call right there. Uh -huh. Let's do one more story here, Tim, and then we'll break and come back with uh, Jim Roop, Glorious Pass for the Weekend, Tim Riley's Top 5. Firefighters say a grease fire that left $50,000 in damages to a Topeka home erupted after dawn shut a woman out of her house while the fish was frying on the stove. The woman was taking out the garbage when the dog somehow shut the door behind her. Firefighters arrived to find smoke and flames shooting out of the roof of the house. Uh, the residents tried to douse the blaze that started in the kitchen stove, but the flames spread to the attic and fully engulfed the house. The woman's husband said the important thing is everybody made it out safely, including the dog and the pet birdie. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Um, all right, I think that's pretty much it. I'm trying to think if we've got anything else to... Uh... I don't think we have anything else to read here. Uh, well, Do we have anything to watch? It's just, this isn't just I'm watch some... to watch a video or something. Um, oh, I, do we do have a video to watch, actually. Oh, we have to break. We have to break here. Oh, darn it. On KCMD Portland. Do we have to break? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, damn it. All right. Billy Pickler thing? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Can we come back with that? Fantastic. Uh, well, we come back, we have Roop, and I want to... Uh, well, let's see. Let's break now. Here, okay, you really, honestly, you don't want to tune out. You honestly, you don't, because we got the best thing ever. It's Kelly Pickler uh, on that Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader thing, and it's genius, so to speak. Uh, then Jim Roop will join us talking about Barry Bonds. Um, we'll also have Tim Riley in the top five songs he hated playing as a DJ. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, this email says, Rick, I like emails that are written in all caps because it's like they're screaming at me somehow over the screen. I can collect ants from my kitchen counter to give to you. And then she feels compelled to note. Get the post there. I'm not gross. They just won't go away. They seem to like it more when I bleach my countertop. My ants are freakish. All right. That's from Carly. Well, all right, Carly. Yeah, I'm really, I don't know, I'm so torn about whether I can just go get some regular ants and just stick them in this ant farm of mine. Well, I'm sure they're not making some special breed of ants for you to put inside of your thing. Well, you know, Sarah, would you be surprised to know that there are 35,000 different kinds of ants in the world? All right. I'm just saying. Yes, I'm shocked. 
Hi, uh, Jim Roop. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, and a very, very good afternoon to you, sir. Thank you, my friend. You are in, as they call it, the city today, are you not, in San Francisco? Yes, I am. It is raining and it is cold. It is typical. Is it, uh, you know, and I've only ever been to San Francisco for any length of time. I've driven through there a couple times, which is just a hell unto itself, but I went there for Christmas two years ago, I think. Yeah, I think two Christmases ago I was in there, or three years ago. I, I went to San Francisco a while back, and, uh, and it, it, I've only ever been there at one time. It's like for, I don't know, five days, seven days, something like that. And I always wanted to see, like, the fabled San Francisco fog. And for some reason, it just wasn't all that shrouded in fog in that particular time. Oh, you've, you've been missing then. I know, well, I know, because it's just, it is, it is, uh, it's one of those dorky things that you always hear about, but that I've never seen. My total sum knowledge of San Francisco comes from three things. Dirty, hairy films. Having been there for five days once, and this movie, The Bridge, which is just all about people throwing themselves off the Golden Gate Bridge. So there oh, wait, you go. Wait a minute. You, you were here for five days, and, and it never fogged over? Well, to be fair, I mean, for some of that time, uh, you know, we were just, whatever, you know, we were out doing things, or we were, you know, doing something during the day or whatever. I just never saw it. Uh, I, I never saw it, you know, sort of the way that I always see it depicted in films. So maybe it was just uh, I was up at the wrong time of day or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just so I got to get back there at some point. I got to get back there because I miss spending five thousand dollars on a cup of coffee. So or to park. It is. I mean, it's a beautiful city. It really is. But it's it's just San Francisco is a stress inducing place. Yes. Um, and I know it's all the same stuff that all the tourists talk about. You know, all the hills and the coffee and the parking and the traffic. But it is very real. I mean, all of those things are. If you're not used to it, you know, I mean, I've been in big cities before, but it's just it is kind of a vibe unto its own there. So yeah, it's real. It's real neat to be here. But it's even neater that you're able to leave it. <laughs> like you, know, having... you know, really. I mean, it, it's one of those places where it's real cool for a couple of days to, to be jostled around this way. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that you know you're going to be going back to a saner environment, I mean, as, as sane as L.A. can be, uh, it, it makes you feel okay about it all. I felt that way the first time I was in Manhattan, where it was really exciting. But that it, as, as the day of my departure drew nearer, I was just sort of like I felt this weight getting off of me because it yeah. was just, especially for a person like me where I value my solitude, and quite literally in you know in New York for most of the only place I could get any privacy was to go up to my minuscule hotel room, which as Steve Martin once said was so small I could not even change my mind, and it was just unbelievably tiny. But it was uh, but I had to seek refuge there occasionally because at four in the morning, you would step out and there's five million people walking by you on the sidewalk. So you know what are you gonna do? Um, hey, is it true that Barry Bonds couldn't get a lawyer for the longest time? Well, they've been shopping for lawyers for a while. He's got to find a lawyer, and I think he found one finally. Or, or maybe he didn't because Williams Danny's been pinching pennies and asked this lawyer if he would uh, if he would discount his price for him. And the guy said, "You're nuts! You made sixty million dollars last year. I'm not going to discount my price for you." But he's been shopping around for lawyers with federal experience for a while now. Yeah, I mean, and just how? I mean, that's when you know you've making making. That's when you know you've made. Uh, a whole lot of missteps, you know what I mean? When you're actually having to use the phrase, look, I'm going to need a criminal lawyer with some federal experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, for a guy who actually, I mean, I'm not trying to diminish this, but I mean, really, a, a guy who hits a ball with a stick, and that's a pretty, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that is a pretty straightforward, pretty pretty simple thing in, in some ways. And yet, the fact that you are now, you know, so deep in it that you are having to, like, call Suge Knight, you know, and go like, hey, do you know anybody? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you have taken so many serious left turns at that point. You know, it's crazy. I, 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 I wonder what the government has. I'd like to know, I'd like to see some of the government's case, because what, what they have to really prove here is not so much whether he took steroids or not, because I think it's almost a given 
that he did. Um, but proving his state of mind, proving if he knowingly took these drugs right. or not, and, right. and proving that he injected them, because that's what the government really has to do. And I think people are getting lost in this very bond thing. Oh, did he take steroids? Oh, he lied about taking steroids. No, he didn't. He lied about not knowingly taking steroids. So um, it, it's going to be weird. I don't know how you can prove state of mind like that. So I'd, I'd love to see the witness testimony or, or whatever documents or recordings they may have that's going to prove their case against Barry Bonds. It's going to be tough. It's sort of a weird thing to prove, but is it in some ways like a gambit on the part of the prosecutors just to pile on so much stress that they can just shake him loose into doing some sort of a plea? Well, I think what may happen here is over the next couple of weeks, you know, especially Bonds' people, is going to, they're going to start seeing what the government's case is. And at that point, he'll decide, I guess, or somebody will make the decision for him, you know what, you should probably plead out of this thing. Because the most he could get really is two years in prison or 30 months in prison. Um, and he may just, you know, depending upon how strong the case is against him, he may say, look, okay, um, I'll plead uh, no contest or guilty or, you know, stupidity. <laughs> you know, right. so slap me on the wrist. And it doesn't necessarily mean he'll get jail time if convicted either. He's never had a prior uh, offense, really. I mean, it's not money laundering or tax evasion, which we thought they were going to get him on or, or what the indictment was going to be. It's, it's perjury. While it's a huge enough charge, you know, I, I, even if he went through trial and was convicted, it not necessarily means he's going to see any jail time at all. Yeah. Which I really could care less. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, at this point, and I, I got to say, it's, I'm not saying that anybody's above the law, but it does seem like a disproportionate use of tax dollars. I mean, it's really just a thing that, and you say you you summed it up that it, I don't know anybody who really cares. Well, I really here's don't. The weird thing. It, it's not like. It's not like O.J. Simpson where he committed a crime against other people. Right. You know, I mean, this is something he did to himself. Sure. And if it's going to kill him, well, that's his own fault. It's right. a Lyle Alzado uh, situation. Good here, reference. You know? Good reference. You know, uh, so uh, who cares? I mean, why prosecute the guy? If he's if he's loading his body up with his crap, it's going to hurt him anyway eventually. So, you know, let him wither down to nothing. Well, you know, nature, yeah, nature does extract its own form of vengeance at some points. You're, I, 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 you're right. right. It, is a, it is a wasteful thing. Uh, it's, it's just very strange that we even care about it because, it's uh, again, he, he hasn't done anything to anybody else. Is it true that they're going to take that ball and brand it with a huge asterisk? <laughs> That's what... Uh, that, that's the rumor. That is fantastic. Yeah, that's the rumor. That is, that, that's how it'll go in the Hall of Fame. Wonderful. All right. How long are you? Uh, how long are you there for? When are you leaving? Uh, tomorrow. I mean, what the hearing? It's going to be short and procedural. You know, he'll he'll surrender to U.S. Marshals tomorrow morning. He'll go before the federal judge, enter a plea, which we assume will be not guilty. Then uh, there'll be some. Then he'll there'll be some dates set for motion hearings, and then maybe a trial date will be set. And then he'll be whisked off by the marshals for uh, booking and all that kind of stuff. He'll probably post bail. By noon, it should all be over. You know, Chris Rock had this great line about how, you know, as a father, you're only, if you're raising a daughter, your only job is to keep her off the pole. That's the thing. You know, <laughs> just don't let her become a stripper. Just keep your daughter off the pole. My whole thing after listening to this is just, you know what, don't ever have to be surrendering to federal marshals. You know, that's it. That's yeah, it. That's I'm true. not going to worry about, like, you know, fame, fortune, eternal happiness. You know what? Just don't ever have to be surrendering to U.S. Marshals, and you'll be fine. <laughs> that should be everybody's goal. Seriously. Start big. <laughs> All right. Jim Rope, enjoy your time there. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. There you go. James Rope in the city. Now, let's take a break. Uh, on the other side, we will... Uh... Are we going to come back with the Kelly Pickler thing? Yes. We're going to come back and do the Kelly Pickler thing. Um, we've also got to, the glorious bastard of the week. Could it be you? 
It could be. Uh, the Glorious Master of the Week is going to win the Led Zeppelin six-disc pack Mothership Song Remains, the same CD, uh, CD and DVD, plus passes to I Am Legend, plus passes to next week's Midnight Movie, which is Gremlins. Of course, Fat Boy. The Glorious Master of the Week, it could be you. You'll have to listen to find out. Stay there. Kimberson Radio Program. Uh, coming up in just moments, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Oh, we're almost on time. Look at that. I think we're actually early. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, coming up tomorrow, God, Aaron or Scott? Oh, I'm a bad person. I can't remember. Do they alternate? Because it was yeah. Aaron last week. Okay, Scott Daly. I don't know. I'm going to ask. Uh, tomorrow, Scott Daly from FilmPeopleRadio.com and in studio, Tommy Thayer from Kiss. Uh, so that is tomorrow. That's both in the 2 o'clock hour. That'll be exciting. Uh, so tomorrow, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio, Tommy Thayer from KISS uh, will be uh, joining us. Uh, let's see. We'll do the Glorious Bastard of the Week here in just a second. Then we got the Kelly, Kelly Pickler video. Then um, uh, Tim's uh, top five here. Let's just do a... Uh... Hi, hello. Greetings and salutations. Tyler Ginn, you are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including the Led Zeppelin 6-disc pack, the Mothership 2-disc set, the song remains the same on CD and DVD from Warner Home Video, passes to I Am Legend, and two passes to next week's Midnight Movie from Court and Fatboy, Gremlins, as well as the wonderful knowledge that, for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, Tyler Ginn. You are the glorious bastard of the week. Sign up to become an AM970 glorious bastard at 970.am. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Uh, so, boys and girls, you may be able to decide whether you want Facebook to know what websites you visit. Oh, God. Yeah. On his blog, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg admits the social networking website has taken too long to respond to viewers' concerns over the Facebook beacon feature. Mm-hmm. It notifies the user's friends of visits made to affiliate websites. Oh, that's creepy. Okay. Do you want to know how creepy it is? I am unregistering right this second. Yes, I have a creepy detail. Who wants to hear it? Me. 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 I've been waiting for a reason. God bless you, Tim. I've been waiting Wait, for an where excuse. Where is it? In, one pa- in what part? Uh, well, listen. I'll just re- well, I'll read this, and maybe this will help you out. Facebook has been forced into a dramatic climb down over its new advertising system. More than 55,000 people signed an online petition calling for them to withdraw the Beacon advertising service, which automatically records online spending habits. The system exploits word-of-mouth marketing. Online retailers can embed the beacon code into their websites so that when Facebook users visit sites to buy products or services, details appear in an individual's Facebook news feed, which is then viewed by all their friends. Now listen to this. Users did not know this and were shocked to see recent purchases appearing on their Facebook profile. Let's all imagine how this could go wrong. How could it go wrong? Let me give you an example. Oh, my God. It shows my pair of shoes that I bought. Yeah. It's right there. Sarah bought. Yeah. Listen to this. 
Would you like to hear a better? Uh, not uh, not to diminish your own horror right now, Sarah. Mm. But, I'm glad I'm not on. Okay. That oh website. my God! It has a picture in the size of the shoes that I bought. Yeah. Now it's terrible. Does it show underneath the shoes? The heels. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just wondering. Okay. Oh. Thank God you're not this guy. Um. Sean Lane from Boston told the Washington Post he had his Christmas ruined when Beacon sent an alert to his wife saying, Sean Lane just bought a 14-karat white gold diamond eternity ring at half price from Overstock.com. Oh, jeez. I mean, but, but Jesus, imagine if he had been, I mean, let's just say it, imagine if he had been buying a ring for somebody other than his wife. And then you get that full-on um, uh, love actually moment where Alan Rickman buys the uh, buys the necklace and then uh, and then you know his wife does you know sees him doesn't get it so there you go yeah so Sarah that's uh, you were the first person I thought of when I read this yeah I just deleted that right now and I'm I'm yeah. deleting my Facebook account right now yeah that is that is creepy imagine that it shows like you know you've just you know welcome to bondage.net thank you for buying a ball gag you know and then it just like shows up on your on your newsfeed. Hmm. Have you deleted the whole thing? Yeah, I'm deleting it right now. Okay. I'm glad I don't play that game. I, seriously. I mean, screw F that. I mean, it showed a pair of shoes that you bought? It showed them exactly. It showed it, it, what website I bought them from and what exact you click on. It's like she bought these Adidas Originals. And you click on it, it shows the exact size of shoes I wore, the exact style, and then what website I'm in. I mean, imagine, I mean, hi, honey, I just bought you some discount jewelry, hmm. which is what happened to this guy. I guess it pays not to have friends. Uh, seriously. I mean, how effed up is that? That is so see all. I wonder if I. And how messed up that they had to get like fifty-five thousand complaints before they would do something about it and realize it was a dumb idea. Look, there it is. Sarah bought a DS, and you click on that. That is just terrifying. Yeah. Uh. Okay, I'm deleting that. Sarah brought up, bought a multi-pronged, you know, dildo. I mean, it's just uh, she did. I don't I'm think just that's saying, true. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like. Uh, but, I mean, it just shows, you know, whatever. And see, how, how freaky is that, man? I mean, they, you know what I'm they... I'm writing did? Steve bomb right now. And you know what they just got? Uh, they, uh, they, they just got, um, they just got friendstered. That's what happened. Yep. Because no one who hears the story will ever use Facebook again. Ever, ever, ever. So, there you go. Yeah. So, that's a company you don't need to worry about uh, tracking, the, you know, the stock hey, of that, anymore. Where's that story from? He I'll give it to you right here. Yeah, he wants to try to say it. Pretty independent. All right. All right. So these kids are right. They should be socializing like an old ice cream social or something exactly. instead of being on the Internet. Uh, sir, how long is our next uh, break? Very short. Okay. So uh, do you want to do the Kelly Pickler thing now? Then we'll break and do the uh, top five. Or maybe Kelly Pickler, then the top five, then the break? Huh. Then the break. Uh -huh. Let's do the top five, then the break, then the Kelly Pickler. All right. I like your style, Tim Riley. Five, I like your take four, charge attitude. Three, two, one, fire. Sure, we haven't. We didn't have to postpone this by a day. Yeah. Because of the comedian. Counting is Because of the gassing. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. La 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 la. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley. And as we continue to examine the desolate hell. That is the music radio playlist. We now present the top five songs for this report I hated playing as a DJ. So these are the songs that you, Tim Riley, loathed playing as a radio DJ. To the point of suicide. <laughs> With honorable mention going to the Eye of the Tiger from Survivor. 
Yeah. Yeah. Survivor. <laughs> you, did you work at? What did you work at a classic rock station? I've worked at everything. Ugh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love this song and all, but even even I, as much as I love this, don't ever really need to hear it again. And of course, you get like every mullet-wearing chucklehead called you. Please, Survivor. Yeah. Did you play this as a uh, as a current, or was it like a recurrent or a gold when you were playing it? I believe it was a recurrent. All right. So you still probably had to play it a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a recurrent. Uh, recurrent is a little radio lingo for recently current. Mm-hmm. So like right now, a recurrent will be something that was big in like you know 2005. Like more than burned out. Yeah, something that they've already pounded into the ground, but that they're now only sort of kicking into the ground. The iPod was just a dream back then. <laughs> You had survivor fatigue. You've heard of survivor guilt. This is survivor hate. Number five from Garth Brooks, The Thunder Rolls. This comes in really slow. I love this song. Oh, I hate it. Raindrops on the wind. Oh, I don't know what's going on there. My computer's uh, sticking. Well, you've heard the best of it, anyway. Sorry. That might be the new version. That's my exciting pink slip for a month. 3.30 in the morning. Not a soul in sight. I have to say, uh, burned out on this though you may be, I have to, I will, I am unashamedly, I do love a lot of Garth Brooks songs. He uh, acquires or co-writes a lot of really strong material. I was playing this song right before the LA earthquake hit. Really? Thunder rolls. And the thunder rolls. Yes, yes. Now, did you hate this song, like, from Go, or did you just learn to hate it? Learn to hate it playing it three times a night. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll that'll really do it. That'll make you hate a song that you previously loved. And this is the one that I couldn't stand so much that I stepped outside the station for it, and somebody got shot in front of me. Oh, yeah. oh okay, I thought those would get locked out. No, I never locked myself out. Asking for a miracle. Open, she's not right. All right, these are the top five songs Tim Riley hated playing as a DJ. Number four, Rhiannon by Fleetwood oh. Mac. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I love. I mean, it's not rock. It's not pop. What is this? What is Fleetwood? What is this crap? <laughs> that is a good question, actually. Yeah, what is Fleetwood? Focus group put together group, or what is it? This is like right up there with Foreigner and stuff. This is sort of very corporate. It is his corporate rock. Yeah. What year was it? What year did Rihanna come out? Seventy something. Because I was just on that self-titled record. Someone had a landslide on it. Everybody in suburbia had this album. I mean, you know, Lindsay, Lindsay Buckingham's a great guitarist. Stevie Nicks, hot. But it's just sort of, you know, you know what this is? Well, this is one of my earliest musical influences was Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> um, you know what this song is like? This song is like just kind of, you know, putting on some warm hand lotion. It's like putting margarine on an English muffin. I was, that's, I was just kind of like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of what it is. you have to do, and it's... It doesn't bother you too much, but it has to be done. I just have this image of, like, you know... There are things a, that irritate you more, but it's up. On a day when you realize your hands are a little dry and you're just putting on some warm room-temperature rose milk on your hands. You know, that's kind of what this song is. Yeah. Oh, God, here we go. Don't, don't, don't put it off. Do it. 
Number three, ah! Baker Street. Cherry oh, Rapidly. This is what I thought your worst song was the no, other day. No, this is mine. I didn't yeah. have to play this song very much, though. That's the oh, thing. Oh, it never stopped for me. I hated this song, but I never really had to play it. What, what format were you playing this in? It was a hot AC. Really? Yeah. Hot AC was a lot different then, I guess. Yeah. There was no Beyonce for you. You don't get Beyonce, you get Jerry Rafferty. Oh, God. Well, it, it was pop, but you yeah. had 60-year-old women out selling advertising for it. Of course. So you had to change the name of the format. Jesus. Yeah. Respect the stupid voice of George Nuri to be... It's so uninspired. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Eventually, he does sing. That should be missing if he was. Jesus. This has a long intro. Like, I just, I don't even care. About, this is just so bad. Yeah, it's so... Back in the, well, here's that Jerry Rafferty with Baker Street. Hey, look at that, Postmaster right. General. I never forget. <laughs> Launched in my brain. Elephants and DJs never forget. So you get the uh, general tip. Yes, I do. It's more of that same uh, genre. Top five songs. Tim Riley hated playing as a DJ. Number two, Peg by Steely Dan. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that one too. God, it always More seemed corporate to, rock. It always uh, Steely Dan always seemed to come up on Sunday mornings, toward the end of my shift when I was tired, too much coffee, cranky, hating my life, hadn't had anything to eat, and just sitting there just wishing you were dead. Mm-hmm. Around six forty. And the jock who's supposed to be relieving you isn't there. He's late. He's sleeping it off or hungover somewhere. And you're just sitting there going, Morning Spokane at 642. Um, well, uh, yeah, John John Valentine coming up uh, any minute now. He'll be in uh, rocking you until noon. Don't forget we got that three play going on all weekend long. And uh, you, you could be going to see uh, Sammy Hagar. So you want to be listening for that? Please kill me. I would like you to come by the studio and cut off my head, then set my body on fire. Here's Steely Dan. We understand the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band will be coming to town. We'll have free tickets to give away. <laughs> oh, God. God, I hate this. And at long last, number one, the first time I ever saw your face. Here's a bird of flack. This song played in like three or four different formats. Somebody really got paid off to play this thing. It just never went away for like 20 or 30 years. And finally somebody shot it. And it was never heard again. But here it is for the first time in many years. It's the slowest song. It is the highest catch-up. First time ever I saw your face. And you always think it's going to begin. And she teases you and keeps going until she starts singing. You know what this is the sound of? This is the sound of being alone in a bad cocktail bar on Christmas Eve. Uh. By yourself, drinking your Tom and Jerry or whatever. Just sitting there, you know, just trying to think of if anybody you know has a gun you could borrow for the night. Five I thought beats so per minute. Ugh. And it's the worst thing when you have a six-hour shift and this is playing on the sixth hour. <laughs> it's like, what have I done to my life? Perhaps my next disc jockey job will be a little this. bit better than this one. Oh, there's a, this strip mall in Omaha. This strip mall in Omaha looks pretty good. I understand they have some openings in Laramie. <laughs> oh, God. 
and the endless sky. Uh huh. Okay. Who wants to hear Kelly Pickler? Oh, I do. Pickler. Oh, me too. It's pretty good. It'll give you something to laugh at. Making you laugh. You making you cry. Do you like to guffaw? All right. So this is um, Jesus. Let me um. It's, I'm not going to bother to play the video because it's that guy. This is this is the rebuttal of the guy who claims that we're just playing video no one can see. This is we're just going to play the audio from this because the video is just her looking dumb. You'd have to see all video though. It, just a little bit of background if you have never seen the show. It is. I, I don't watch it. Uh, but but I flipped by it one night and I watched it for like five minutes and I can see the appeal of it in a weird way. If you're sort of in the game shows, first of all, I have believed for the longest time that Jeff Foxworthy is he's not really like a dumb guy. I believed forever, and I think the show does indicate that he is a guy who was making no money, just swinging a hammer somewhere, and thought to himself, I have got to find some shtick to pay the rent because my regular comedy is not cutting it. And at some point. Where can I get a big audience? Let's cater to the most stupid people on the face of the earth. Exactly. Exactly. Where he just, like David Spade with the Hollywood Minute, he just had to find a hook. And it was, you know, he was probably at some dingy club, and he went, well, you know, that might make you a redneck. And in the background, he's like, ah! You know, and then he was, ding, you know, idea. Jeff Foxworthy has always seemed like a really, you know, not maybe brilliant, but a smart guy who found a way to Anyone make a lot of money. saying power like that? Oh, yeah. That? And, he, no. man, and he just found a way to wring every dollar out of that idiot audience. So he is now hosting this Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader show. And the deal is they get people, and in this case a celebrity, Kelly Pickler, who is an American Idol contestant and a country music singer, uh, and, and you face off against a fifth grader. And the deal is they give you a question, and at the end... It's like Hollywood Squares or whatever it was. You can it, you can either go with your own answer or you can have the fifth grader answer for you. And I think she is playing for charity. So this is the really blindingly stupid Kelly Pickler uh, with Jeff Foxworthy and then some fifth grader on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And I have not altered this in any way. She really ought to be from you South ready? Carolina with this. The us. third grade world geography question is... Third grade question. Budapest is the capital of what European country? Budapest is the capital of what European country? Now, Sarah country already got it. It's Hungary. Already locked in. This might be a stupid question. Uh, oh, now, no, no, hold on. And I got to tell you, <laughs> just the accent alone. I'm so glad we've saved this. First of all, I got to tell you, A, yeah, the answer is Hungary. Good job for you, Sarah. So immediately had it. You actually beat the That's fifth the only, grader. Yeah. And, I'm not very good at And the thing is, you know, even if you don't know the answer is Hungary, uh, and I'm, I'm, I hate to spoil this, she doesn't. Um, that's not what makes this so funny. It's really not the the fact that she doesn't know the answer. The fact that she doesn't know the answer, because I myself am terrible at geography, that is incidental. It is everything that her not knowing the answer is wrapped up in. So anyway, and, I, and I'll shut up and play this all the way through, but I wanted to say, even if you don't know the answer, you're still smarter than she is. So, uh... Country, European country. Budapest is the capital of what European country Nathan has already locked in. <laughs> this might be a stupid question. I'm guessing it's probably okay. going to be. Like, <laughs> I thought Europe was a country. <laughs> I thought Europe Buda was a country. Budapest? I never even heard of that. All right, here's your, here's your right. options. I mean, you could drop out with $10,000. But like, got... I know they speak French there, <laughs> don't they? Oh, my God. Like, I want to say, is France a country? I don't know 
what I'm doing. You know what? Let's Can let's talk. Like... Let's talk about your options. Okay. Kill, Kill. yourself now. Yes. Focus. I am. Like I'm listening to what you're saying, but I only hear what I want to. That's just called being a woman. Uh, and by the way, when Jeff Foxworthy is having to like stop and say, "Now look, let's focus and try to get something intelligent out of this," really. You... Well, well, we could just call the show. Are you smarter than a man? No, I because women don't. Women don't really want to hear a man's opinion. They just want to hear their opinion in a deeper voice. That's what they want when they talk to us. Let's talk about this. I really want you to get to 25000 because no matter what happens after that, you're charity. walking out of here with 25000 All about the charity, so i got to think what's best for them. Let's see. I am just going to... Copy. Copy. So she's just decided to let the kid answer for her. If you had had to guess, if you had had to guess, do you have a guess? I don't think France is a country, but I would have said that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't say France. I don't know. France is a country. I will tell you that. If you had said France, you would have gone home with nothing. That was not the right answer. The right answer is hungry. Is what? Hungry. Hungry? Like I'm hungry. That's a country? Now, I've heard of turkey, but hungry, never heard of it. But the answer is hungry. So, if Nathan said hungry, your charity's got $25,000. If he didn't, you walk I'm away with nothing. Nathan. Here, that's silent. Oh. Kelly, take a look at the board. For $25,000, your fifth grade classmate, Nathan, said, Hungry! Great, you're the best. Thank you. Yay! You tried to trick me. He tricked me. He tricked me? Yeah, I was looking at his face and he looked like... Okay, just to, just to recap just the, the, the funniest part of this. Nathan has already locked in. This might be a stupid question. Like, I thought Europe was a country. Let's see. Buddha. Budapest? I never even heard of that. Alright, here's your here's your options. I mean you could drop out with ten thousand dollars. Like got... I know they speak French there. Don't they? Like I wanna say is France a country? There you go. That's really, it's gold. Fantastic. And you feel better about yourself? Just a little. All right. Uh, we come back, uh, we'll have a few minutes, right? All right. We come back, uh, I don't know, whatever. We'll, uh, we'll fill the time, as they say. The state of Sir Rick Emerson Show. I think that's the uh, I think that's the end of show cut. I mean, or, or if you like, we could always do the. Hey, this is Tracy Morgan. You'll listen to my favorite dude, Rick Emerson, right here on AM nine seventy. That's solid state radio. I don't think they play any music here, but I'll bring in some Shocker Call record. Sarah, you want to? F- hey, Sarah. Um, so going to see the Blazers tonight. I am, Rick. Sarah, as. 
And Sister Sarah, actually, that's, that's, that's actually just a coincidence. I was going to say there was a nun named Sister Sarah who told me. As, um, as Sister Sarah, what's her name, used to ask me in school, is there something you'd like to share with the class? Nope. Okay. Well, Brad was able to get some, like, you know, some, like, blazer tickets. And um, going with Brad and and Craig Gass is a really big fan of any sport. So we're all just we're all going to go together. Big group of friends. I know that um, I know Craig Gass is a, is a big fan of many things. Hey, this is Tracy Morgan. You'll listen to my favorite dude, Rick Emerson, right here on AM 970. That's solid state radio. I don't think they play any music here, but I'll bring in some Shocker Con records. Sarah, you want to f***? So it'll be you that's and Brad. Yeah, that's that's Tracy Morgan. That one has nothing to do with the other. Craig Gass. Yeah. And some other, I think some, um, I don't know, some other people. Okay. Should be a good time. Okay. Yeah. So you, uh, okay. So I'm, uh, what? So you just, uh, that's your plan tonight. That's something. Okay. That's something I'm going to do. All right. What are you going to do tonight? So you, so you asked him to, you invited Craig Gass to go to the game? No, I didn't invite, no, him and Brad, it was, it was between him and Brad. They were the ones who were talking. This email says, Rick, I heard Kelly Pickler did get the question about whether elephants could swim and cows can run. Correct, though, so she's ahead of you. Signed, twins connected at the hair. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Show, Scott Daly from Film Beer Radio and Tommy Thayer from Kiss uh, will be in the studio with us tomorrow in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Tommy Thayer from Kiss, you want to join us for that. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents uh, Bob Costantini, Steve Kastenbaum, and uh, Jim Roop. Uh, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely intelligence Sarah Stillen for AM 970, Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, it's the greatest newsman in the history of the world, Tim Riley, who's back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. The gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, Bridget from upstairs, webmistress and podcast, and thank you to Seamus for being part of the greatest audience ever. Uh, and of course, uh, yeah, we've got Dave Zins, the gatekeeper, Susan Reynolds, and marketing guru like us next to you tomorrow. Be safe, watch out for snakes. Bye now. AM 970, Solid State Radio. You understand that, you f-